This sit down is with Jonathan Mitchell, who is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. My first um, real memory of him is going to see the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou maybe in 2004-ish or the winter of 2004-2005. So I've known, I've known him for a long time. Um, he is a camera operator. He is a cinematographer. He travels and shoots. Uh, at least he does a lot these these days. He's also um, recently a father. So we talk about those things. We also get into some life stuff. After this, he actually texted me and was asking if he was being too negative or too low at any points. Um, and I said no, because I, I kind of want to be open to that stuff with this. It's so easy to run into conversations with people that are, with people that are doing interesting stuff. And it's all super positive. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes, sometimes you need that. Um, but I want to be able to hear from people that are doing stuff they love, but they're also in a reality where it is a grind and they want to keep moving in a certain direction. And if they're doing something that is maybe creative or on the edge, and I don't even mean literally creative, it could be um, starting your own business that is a very technical thing, but I feel like if they're doing that kind of stuff, they might find themselves um, in places where certain things work great and certain things don't work very well. Um, so. My response to him was no, I thought this was great, um, but it does go all directions. Um, yeah, anyway, it's good to hear from him. It's good to hear about um, the parenting stuff, which is a good chunk of the opening of this. And um, it's good to hear about some of his work on some of the stuff that he really is digging, like um, shows like Nathan For You. And um, he was a cinematographer for Lion Suit Dreamscape with me also. So that was... Um, a fond memory that we reference in this. So anyway, John's a great guy, hard worker, and um, had a great time sitting down with him. Here we go. My friends that lived in LA that are also dads that are doing the podcast with me. Gotcha. Um, so we had some downtime. We recorded three. Do you have a name for uh, it yet, by the way? Yeah, Abracadabod. Say it one more time, Abracadabod. Yeah, <laughs> like Abracadabra Dadbod. Abracadabod. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. Cool. So conversations about being a dad um, from from the early stages until wherever you guys are. Yeah, and like open and honest conversations about being a dad. Right. Not right. like you know, not like everything's all peaches and cream all the time. Like. Right. It's it's frustrating at times. It's funny at times. It's annoying at times. Sure. But lots of anecdotes and funny stories and whatnot. Yeah. But we we did we did one that actually our first one turned out great and you know we're finishing up the edit on that one right now and then the second one was all right and then the third one we just had to scrap. Like you you take for granted how hard doing a podcast can be sometimes because. Right. You know, you get this idea of this topic you want to discuss, and then you kind of ramble around, and people aren't feeling it, or people are tired, and it just doesn't work out, and you end up in weird places. Sometimes good, but sometimes not so good. So we just ended up having to scrap the third episode. Then we all got really busy, so we haven't been able to come back to it, but we'll, uh, we're hoping to get back around to it soon. And then once we've got like five under our belt, then we'll try to start releasing them. Right, right. And the biggest topic so far is what? I mean, what's been... Are you guys kind of on the same 
page or is it something different for every person or what? It's kind of different for every person. Um, that's kind of what's so interesting about it. Like one of my friends, the, my friend who had his kid first, actually, she's the oldest of all the, our kids, um, had just started dating a girl. He had known her forever, but they had just started dating. And they got pregnant, and he moved out of L.A. to, you know, buy a home and do do all that. And uh, they still aren't married, even though they're ba- we all call her his wife, but they still aren't married. And then that's their only kid. And then my other friend who's doing the podcast with us, he's got two children. Um, one was planned, and one was... The second was by accident. And then, you know, uh, me and my wife had ours before we got married, and it was completely by accident. So everybody's kind of got different stories and different places they're coming from. Is that going to be more common? What's that? I said, so it's interesting because we all have kind of different perspectives. Um, And the first episode was actually about the news, like finding out that you're going to be a father for the first time and how how we all reacted and where we were and whatnot. And all of our stories were completely different. Right. Oh man. Um, I feel like with um this next generation I wonder if there's gonna be more honest conversation about I feel like when I was growing up you never really heard too much about the idea of kids being born by accident, um, or conceived mm-hmm. on accident. Um but, And if you and if, if you did it was like a bad thing, like, ooh, you were accidental. Right, right. <laughs> it's the same idea as like not telling the kids that you could be homeless. You know what I mean? Like that's not <laughs> their responsibility to be yeah. worried about that as a, a youngster. But like it, how do you slowly move into that reality as you get older, you know? Like mm-hmm. um but I wonder if now there's just going to be more honesty about that like after the after the great recession there's like a little bit more blunt I don't know whatever. Um, Chris, uh, how do you say his name? Uh, Delia comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think we talked about this, but, um, he, he, one of his more recent stand up pieces is the whole thing's pretty good, but there's one part in particular that I was dying over, which is talking about how everybody thinks they're Denzel Washington. Um, and like how in reality, um, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but in reality, you're some other character in the story. You're not the dude in slow motion mm-hmm. that's crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that is true. But it, it's just funny to hear even the crowd, and maybe the crowd's excited, but hear them react to that. It's almost refreshing to hear a more honest perspective, uh, obviously. I mean, you hear more and more of that over the last few years of like, the odds of you becoming president are, I mean, you're not going to be president. So don't tell your no. kid they can be president. I mean, I maybe, know. maybe you check the bloodline or you check what connections you have. Or, um. That's like our, my goal with my son is to, it's, I, I hate the whole participation, participation trophy award, like right. culture where it's like, Oh, you tried good job. Um, I just think that, it kind of rewards mediocrity and doesn't make you really want to strive for anything better and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's like there's a lot of good and a lot of bad that comes from previous generations. Like, I liked that they, it was a work ethic and you had to work hard for what you wanted and all of that, but it was also maybe lacking in the expression of love department a little bit. So <laughs> it's an important department. <laughs> so I'm trying to find like the happy medium to where 
my son grows up knowing that he is very special and very loved and, uh, you know, and an important person, but that he's no more special or important than anyone else. So, you know, you have to value every person as much as you value yourself, if not more. And that's the way to be a good person and to be a person that is good at life and other people want to be around. So, right. That's kind of the happy medium, happy medium I'm trying to find, you know, trying to walk that line of letting him know he's special, but you know, everyone's just as important as he is. Yeah, whether once whether you want to be like spiritual, metaphysical about it in terms of we're all connected, or whether you're just being non that, and you're saying you're se- sure if you want to think that you're totally separate, that's fine, but you still got to get a job or get a client or buy food or f- grow food with a team or whatever it is. Like this is a group thing, so yeah, it's like less- you know the. Well, I was going to say the less trash you talk on people or the less uh, blame you can put on other people or whatever it is, the better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be, it's going to be funny to see when these guys, you might've just said the ages, but every, all the youngsters are under what age as a group in that group? Uh, in our like podcast group? Uh-huh. I think four is the oldest. No, right. five is the old, five is the oldest. Okay. So they're getting some of the concepts of even be able to, being able to come up with storytelling ideas, which then gives you the ability to come up with lying ideas <laughs> has already kind of True. maybe surfaced with some of that. Um, cause I've seen some of that in like some of the youngsters, um, that I get to see the background story of more is that it's um, sometimes it's a sign of how smart they are, that they can even conceive of an alternate reality that would benefit them more and then try to play that off as reality for a while, you know? Yeah, it's, I, I'm going to probably be guilty of, of if my child lies to me well enough and in a, and in a way that's interesting enough, I might yeah. be like, okay, good story. I'll buy it. Yeah. That's like, a, <laughs> I had a history teacher in high school that if, if you didn't get the question right, but made him laugh, you'd get partial credit. So sometimes you, you had to make the decision, do I have a shot? And if I don't have a shot, then I'm just going straight full comedy, you know? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, if if I discover that my son is an incredible storyteller through the way he lies, then, you know, more power to him. As long as he's not a psychopath. Right, right, yeah. Maybe, son, you can be president, actually, if you can. Hold on, tell me that story again, <laughs> spin that again. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, what was that? Spin that for me one more time, and then we'll all vote for you. Now, let me just, let me do some family heritage research and just see if we got the bloodline covered, but I don't know, no, guarantee, <laughs> no guarantees. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, keep me looped on that. I mean, that, that was one of the things when I was thinking about what to try to bring up even with you, that's one of the things, and we've even been meaning to chat about that. Just the curiosities of what is that first group of weeks and months and even just the concept of being a father, like, I feel like, you know, it, yeah, it, it came from, and like, we, we kind of like stole the idea in a way because, um, some my friends who are in the podcast with me uh, actually got me turned on to this group, this podcast that their wives listen to called Nursing and Cursing. And yeah. it's just like a bunch bunch of women who have nursing kids. And and cursing to give nursing, me- nursing and cursing to... Nursing and cursing, yeah. And they, uh, they are hilarious, man. There's some who live in New York and L.A. and all over the country, and they kind of all do this podcast together, and they talk about things that are 
kind of taboo at times about being a parent. Like there's right. an episode about sex after um, pregnancy or sex during pregnancy and sex after. And right. um, there's a bunch of different podcasts like that where it's kind of like no limits. And my friends and I were discussing it. And we were like, we enjoy listening and listening to it as men. And we were like, how come there isn't something like this for dads where dads can talk about things that, you know, are seemingly off limits, but that are important things that you experience as a father or an expecting father and so other guys can be like, oh, yeah, I'm going through that exact same thing. Right. So we kind of copied the idea and ran with it, and we did one episode just to see how it would go, and the first episode turned out like way better than we thought. So we were like, okay, maybe we can do this. The second episode was eh, and then the third episode we were like, maybe Scrab we it. can't do this. <laughs> so, so it's time to like regroup and go back at it, maybe with a different philosophy this time instead of like having things we want to talk about just more of a, hey, so this is what happened to me today sort of thing. Right. Or you're going to have to start signing up for adventures to have things to talk about, like taking the family on a trip <laughs> with half as much money as you think you'll need, and then you'll have a ton of good stories to talk about. That's a, not a bad idea. Based on, yeah, experimentation, like kind of like will it, will it blend, but with family vacations. It's like science experiments through our children and podcasts. Right, right. Yeah, that's... Uh, Sounds like a horrible idea and would be very interesting. <laughs> I feel like last I, thing I'll say about the parent thing, at least on my end, is uh, as I, the more and more I think about it, the more I feel like, or the more and more I see it around me or whatever that is as you get older, um, having to let go of the fantasy of how maybe, like, maybe just saying forgiving your parents for little stupid things that as you were younger you didn't even realize you were holding against them. Because you Man, realize you, just how hard you're busting your ass to make it work, you know. As you a just, you just hit the nail on the head, man. Because honestly, being a parent is hard. It's it's in some ways it's a lot easier than I thought it would be, and in some ways it's a lot harder than I thought it would be. I mean, you're always busy. You don't get a lot of sleep. There's always something to do. Not a whole lot of personal time, which for me is the hardest part. Because, you know. I'm a big personal time guy. I've been very independent my whole life, many yeah. years living on my own, traveled a lot, lived abroad on my own, all these sort of things. And so, you know, when you first start a serious relationship, you have to give up part of your personal time and, you know, the way your life is. And then when you have a kid, it's like all of it's just kind of gone. Right, <laughs> and you have right. to really like, you have to like fight for it and make agreements with each other that, okay, you can have 30 minutes to go to this class today if you'll let me, like, go do this, you know, tomorrow. Like, right. for me, I just started I just started doing jujitsu not too long ago, and so for, with my wife, it's like, hey, if you'll let me go do this for, like, an hour today, you can go get, you know, a pedicure. So you kind of <laughs> have to, bar yeah, kind of have to barter, and yeah. then you have, to be you have to be really picky with the time you get. But I kind of looping back around to what got me started on this, rant is that it's difficult and so the one thing I've learned more than anything being a parent is how unfair I was to my parents and the parents of others as a kid <laughs> because right. you think that if you're a parent when you're a kid you think a parent is like infallible knows everything is like this you know all-knowing god figure and, and then you when you're a parent think life is easier than it is too Exactly. Exactly. You're like, why can't you do this right? What you know? How come this? How come that? And then when you're a parent, you realize they are just normal ass people 
that all of a sudden now have a child to take care of and they don't they don't know any more than you know any other person it's not like you have a kid and all of a sudden you're just like yep i got it all figured out i know the answers to life and death right you still you still don't know it and you're kind of just faking it till you make it a lot of the time and you know but because you introduce them to Wayne's World or the Godfather films or something it, it, you you've set a dangerous precedent of being a genius <laughs> Yeah, it, I'm hoping that my child thinks I'm a genius. If I can just show him the right amount of creative things, take him to enough baseball games, yeah. and like op- opine on the beauty and nostalgia of a perfect game, then uh, then maybe he'll think I'm more than I actually am. <laughs> and may- maybe that's good for me. Maybe that's to my detriment. Yeah, really that could be dangerous, right? It's like lying on a first date. Um, there's, maybe, that's the maybe, fancy balance. Maybe I should just play dumb so he thinks that i'm an idiot from the get-go and then surprise him <laughs> surprise him on the positive end from time that to sounds time. D- dangerously depressing my dad know, used to tr- like look at the side um stop light and time it out and then he would always count down when ours was going to go from red to green and he'd point you know and it, it would make it seem like he was changing the stoplight with his pointing <laughs> uh, and that was uh, that was going for a while until I finally started looking left or right and realized that was <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like 24 when I finally figured it out. No, just joking. It's um, it's uh it's pretty uh, yeah man. I uh, kind of what we've been talking about the whole time I guess to continue down this path is that I I think. Another thing about being a parent is you try to take all the good stuff from your parents and implement that, and then you try to sure. throw out throw out the bad stuff, you know. So I think, at least with my father and some of the people I've talked to who are around my age and have parents that are around my parents' age, um, or the age that my dad used to be before he passed away, is that the especially the dads back then kind of presented this, I know everything I'm the authority, listen to me, do as I say, mm-hmm. always follow my instructions. Like that was kind of the, almost like the parenting method of that generation, I feel like. And while I do want to teach him everything I know and let him know that I do know more than he does, I still, I want to be more open about the things that I don't know with him. Like, you know, religion's a perfect example. If he asks me what I believe, I'm just going to have to tell him that, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what's real. I know what's don't know what's fake. Um, so it's kind of, you know, I, I feel like being a little more open is probably more beneficial too, so that he can also view me as a human being and sure. relate relate to me a little bit more than I was able to relate to my father. Well, a lot of that is teaching how to ask good questions and how to analyze and see how things are connected. And I mean, that's, even teaching to be okay with certain questions in life, you know, um, that's a big part of it. I feel like my parents did a pretty good job of talking like the educational stuff was a lot of it was problem solving and storytelling. And, you know, the answer was not short. You have to kind of explain yourself. Um, that's a, that was a good job by your parents. I, I don't feel like a lot of people our age got that sort of experience. Right. Well, I feel like part of it is just, it's more interesting for, you know what I mean? Like some of it's time 
And they did my folks or my mom homeschooled me until through fourth grade. So for like this early years, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but part of it is just, that's, we didn't even, we didn't do a very good job of all like sitting around the dinner table every night just because things were always so different and, and different things going on. It was crazy, but not necessarily in a bad way. Like we still were together. And I think storytelling became, um, a good part of that, you know? So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think the storytelling that I have in my life, the, uh, desire to tell stories, the love of stories comes from my father. He was a big time storyteller. Not only did he write screenplays and stuff, but he, uh, he just was always telling a story, whether they were all true or not to this day, I'll go to my grave not knowing, but (laughs) he told a lot of good stories. They were really interesting and yeah, he was very beloved by almost everyone that knew him. And I think you kind of just wanted to believe him because they were so interesting. Yeah. So I, I do, whether, whether they were true or not, doesn't matter. He definitely instilled in me a love of storytelling. So I thank him for that. Yeah, what, what, did, what did your parents do? Were they uh, creative people at all? Um, not in like a art class way necessarily. Um, like they did some music stuff and some painting stuff in that sense, but um, they were more community creative type people. Like they did youth work and dad did pastoring work and then also real estate stuff, which is business and math, but also is like, what's up with your community? Are you building a community? You know, mm-hmm. and then mom did, um, a lot of raising us and then got into like counseling work, like went back to school for a degree so she could do like family and one-on-one counseling stuff. So, um, they were also, they were always stoked about the creative stuff, big into movies and music. And we always had, you know, the big, we had a six disc CD changer in the main living room, which was a big deal. You know what I mean? And there was always Credence and Simon and Garfunkel and Motown stuff going on that. Um, yeah. So when I presented the idea of film or other stuff that I was cre- interested in, um, or even the early days of like Legos, which to them looked more like, oh, he's going to build stuff. Where in my mind, it was kind of more like this guy's going to shoot him, but not if he saves her. And she's going to knock this guy out if this guy can, you know what I mean? Like it would just, I'd set up a whole scene really. Um, so whatever it was, they're always pretty stoked about it. And me and my brother, and my sister all went in pretty different directions. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Good support I, uh, in terms of like, if you, you know, if you got something you're interested in, that's good. We're not going to mess with that too much unless it's super dangerous or seems absurd. If you're going to do motorcycle racing on the freeway in your free time, you know, that's a bad idea, but yeah, most stuff, you know, is healthy if you enjoy it and it's, you know, uh, yeah, dangerous or hurting anybody. It's good that they were supportive of that. Yeah. 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 But you know, you still have your, every community has its absurdities and there's every generation is getting more and more kind of hopefully reasonable. I mean, the pendulum is always swinging, you know what I mean? But in the same way that we we're being more open with our feelings now, but you don't want to be too uh, in denial of how life can be hard sometimes either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, we could get into a whole political discussion about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That topic right there. Yeah. Which the fact that it's like you have to make a decision. Oh, you've always had to make a decision on that. Even the statement of like, it's rude to talk about, religion or politics is always 
kind of frustrated me because it's not rude. It's just, it could be dangerous or you could be stuck there for 45 minutes or you could assume something about somebody that's assuming something about you and have trouble in your relationship because of it. <laughs> Dude, it's like, it's like culture has become extremely neurotic <laughs> in the sense that like, and I can say that because I'm slightly neurotic. I'm the type of person that I'll have a conversation with someone out at a bar over a couple of drinks, you know, a few people around. And then the next day I'll be like, oh, did I say anything like that could have offended them? Ooh, right, and I wonder right. if that, like, you know, I can be like, I can overthink things way too much. Yeah. But, but that's the way our entire culture is right now with the divide in politics and everything. It seems like you can't, I mean, you have to be so careful that it's insane. And how is anything ever supposed to actually get any better? Or how are we supposed to move towards a goal if you can't even discuss things? Because that's how you learn. That's how you, you know, expand your mind. That's how you learn to think different ways is getting other people's perspectives and saying like, oh, okay, I could probably change there. Or I'm behind the times here. Or I think this person might be able to benefit from my experiences here. But now it's like everything's kind of taboo you know you got one side that's one extreme that you say the wrong thing and you know they'll uh they're likely to use violence against you and could have a weapon and shoot you if they so chose and you know one on the extreme on that side that's uh has a lot of hatred towards people just for their race religion political views etc and then on the other side, you've got a side to where you literally can't speak without risking being public enemy number one, even though you were on their side at one point in time. So it's kind of right. it's kind of a dangerous, uh, you know. I, I, I the politi- the politically correct culture, I think, has gotten a little bit out of control to where you have to be afraid to have a discussion. You can't even have a discussion on anything anymore. Oh yeah. No, I agree, and I think that's a pendulum thing that's going to swing back too because I enjoy listening to a lot of comedians talk about this topic because it's kind of their job in satire or whatever it is to push us forward on different topics and offend us or you know find out if something's over the line, and a lot of them are getting ripped up for it. Um, so it's good to hear there. They have a lot of good one-liners, or I've heard a lot of good statements that kind of sum up that we need to be able to make mistakes verbally or push ideas or joke about stuff and also be able to say, I'm sorry, or I was wrong, or, oh, I didn't realize this or that. Um, and I think if somebody hears that and thinks that that's a way to get around being mean to somebody, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's, somebody's been super super mean to you it's hard to not suspect that in other people at times but yeah um, well you know it's i don't know what you feel about jerry seinfeld but i'm a huge seinfeld fan like my earliest memories involve seinfeld being on our you know old school tube tv with the knob in our living room sure um and i still love him today like the show comedians in cars getting coffee is like one of my favorite shows um, which one which is Comedians in cars getting coffee. Oh yeah, I've seen the um, Chappelle one and the Jim Carrey one. Yeah, so that that show is great, and some for like everyone is different. But he talks about it all the time. He's like, man, I don't really care what you think of me, and 
He's like, I have the freedom and the right to say what I want to say, and you have the freedom and right to say he's an idiot and change the channel. Yeah. Like, that. where has that gone, you know? I think it's like trying to, you know, use kid gloves on everything is kind of dangerous because, you know, no one really knows what they can or can't say. And how do you know who's really a good and bad person if no one can say anything? Yeah, and it gets to a point, in my perspective, and I don't know for sure, but it gets to a point where this almost seems malevolent, that we know where this leads. If you restrict too many people and shut too many people down and censor too many people, uh, then that's a dead end for society. That's ridiculous. The whole point mm -hmm. is share your opinion. If you're being an idiot, then somebody's going to comment, you're an idiot. And if there's a thousand of those comments and, and not all of them are trolls then, you know, like people probably won't listen to you as much. You know what I mean? Or if you have a society that's open and can talk, then just one person can listen to you and run it through their gut heart and be like, that doesn't make sense. Change the channel, click on something else. The, the idea that I don't mean to get too ranty on it, but the idea that Twitter or YouTube or the bigger companies are terrified that somebody's too dumb to click on something else. Um, they've got a scrub the web of certain topics that's crazy to me i know it's like for example imagine you've got a group of people and no one really talks about anything of any importance and so you've got someone in your group who has really backward ways of thinking about let's say women or um minority another minority or you know, religion or something like that. And they've got really backwards, messed up ideas. Is it better for no one to ever say anything and that person just to quietly exist within your group? Right. Or is it better, or is it better to have a discussion to where that person hears a lot of people say like, that is terrible. You can't have that opinion. And he either has to leave the group. So he's no longer part of your group or he has to learn from what everyone else says. And now he has a new way of thinking that is better for society in general. Right. I would much rather have a discussion about it and find out what really pe what I would rather find out what people really think so that I can have a discussion with them about it and find out whether they're a bad or good person right. and everybody just pretending all the time and towing the line so they don't get in trouble with, you know, the group think. Which can so easily get out of hand. And obviously there are certain things that should be censored, you know, especially stuff that's illegal or, you know, we things that we already have laws for. You can't just have open posting of anything. But, um, if it's, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm for like, take, I'm for taking down all the Confederate statues. I'm for no Confederate flags hanging. Like, I mean, that stuff's ridiculous. We all know that that has no place in, in our country or in a society in general, but that's not what we're talking about here. People get in trouble for things that are ridiculous now. You know, and it'll be people, I, I, I'm very left-leaning, I'm very liberal, I consider myself very progressive over very specific, like, a few very important issues to me, healthcare, I'm for universal healthcare, for prison reform, um, legalizing most drugs, like, the war on drugs is ridiculous, um, for not occupying foreign countries all the time, <laughs> and spending trillions of dollars on unnecessary wars and you know risking young men's lives or nothing yeah are we in seven um, or eight wars right now or quote conflicts we call them so that we don't have to ask congress for an okay if it's not called a war i don't even know anymore man it's like impossible to keep track of but so you know i'm for women's right to choose i'm for all of these things that would 
make me seem very progressive, free college education, etc. But at the same time, I think it can get a little out of hand when you, you know, there are people who are liberals that you, you know, know and are very open about their political beliefs, and then they make like one little misstep, and all of a sudden everyone hates them, and they're like the worst person ever. Right. Like how does that how does that happen? People can't accidentally say something wrong, or I don't know. It just seems it's like this, it's gotten a little crazy. It's a fantasy thing, man. This idea of part of it's putting people on pedestals and part of it is too much watching and not enough going out and doing stuff. Cause I feel like if you try to do more stuff, you're going to get kicked in the shin or fall down or not be as good or misspeak. And you're going to start being more forgiving. But if you just sit around and watch stuff online or watch TV, you're only going to see the best of the best of the best. And so you're going to have this fantasy that nobody ever messes up. If all I do is ever watch, the Dodgers. I mean, that's a bad example since we've been complaining about how bad they've <laughs> or how inconsistent their offense has been. But if all I ever do is watch Scherzer or Kershaw or somebody pitch, and then you know, I see the average person go and do it, it's going to be. It could maybe even be frustrating, you know. And, and yeah, I, I mean, feel like everything. Well, there's such a. Uh, everybody has a speaker to voice their opinions. It's almost encouraged to be passionate. So, and we're, and it's just funny, so many people are so passionately saying, talking trash or making claims that are just insane. Um, and I've done it too. I feel like I grew up with a lot of that also. And it's part of the American sentiment of just confidence first. <laughs> Once you have the confidence, then you work your way into the skill, but let's just get confident. <laughs> let's get excited <laughs> and like, um, let's get our verbal skills going and then we'll get our, you know, actual um, pitching or life skills. Oh man, I, I, I'm totally guilty of it. I had to get <laughs> off all social media because I was getting so like frustrated and caught up in these like, I can't believe what they just did and rah, 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 and like, I found myself getting so heated that I didn't even, I kind of lost touch with like logical thinking and it became emotional more than than it was logical and while that is I think that is good at times like we need to be emotional about the things we believe in at the same time you can't just let your emotions drive you without thinking or you end up being angry at people that you shouldn't be angry at or maybe you should be angry at them but it's the way you treat them to drive them further away it's like yeah, it, I feel like both sides are just pushing the other side further and further away by saying the other side is stupid all the time, and right. it's it's not going to get any better if we do that. But I'm also, you know, I'm not the most intelligent person ever, and I'm not the most savvy politician ever. So, what do well, I really know? Most none of us are. That's the thing. The smartest person ever is probably already dead. It was probably they probably were already here. So we're all like just need to slow down a little bit and communicate and ask better questions. But I don't know. I feel like it's not a big new idea, and I don't want to drag us into this. But mainstream media and their constant promoting, constant promotion of the extreme sides, you know, and then. Uh, Anytime I see anybody reasonable, that's an overstatement, anytime, but most of the time when I see anybody reasonable, if I ever see anybody reasonable that's invited on those programs, and they say something that's reasonable, that sounds like an actual human American, they they almost get like a condescending scoff or they, people are like, you're absurd or how could you even think that? You know, I feel like the exactly. average American that I'm talking to about stuff 
wants to connect with other Americans, wants to understand other cultures in America and outside, likes the idea that and understands that we get strong being different in like the whole salad bowl mixing pot or whatever. Um, like, I don't know. That's exciting to a lot of the people that I see. So, and I, I don't know, I see a lot of lefties and righties all kind of exchanging ideas too. So it, it, it that's the one thing I get frustrated when I listen to the radio or get on, you know, TV, TV. Um, and it's all like, this person's going to hate you. And I'm thinking, I just talked to somebody like that and we shook hands afterwards. It, it was cool. What are you talking about? You know? So mm-hmm. anyway, that's, as it, you can see, I can r- easily rant down that pathway and that's no brand new theory that uh, yeah. these guys need to get ratings. So they're trying to get us excited. Um, that's yeah. the, that's the non, that's the lesser malevolent theory, right? Is they just need to make money. They need to get ratings. Yeah. Um, and whatever. So, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, you know, using the word malevolent makes me think too, like too many people get painted with the brush of their, like, y- you know, they're cancerous people. They like, they're malevolent. They've got bad intentions. And the truth is a lot of people might have mistaken, like, you know, might have bad ideas and mistaken politics and backwards thinking, but a lot of them aren't doing it from a hateful place either. Like you have to understand that a lot of people are puppets. They're told this thing by their pastor in church, or they're told this thing by their local politicians and they're told this thing by the president and it's their fault and it's their fault. And a lot of them aren't bad people. They've just been lied to for a long time and they've bought it hook, line and sinker. Right. Or they've, and, run into some crazy stuff that, that like life is crazy. You will run into people that are messed up and they might happen to be of this background or that, or this belief or this career or whatever. I mean, I I, I get it why people get so scared by certain events that they can start claiming crazy stuff. It's just, yeah, it's, it's all fear. It's, I'm afraid they're going to hurt me. I'm afraid they're going to take my money. They're going to take my jobs. I'm afraid this, I'm afraid that. And the fear is stoked, man, by the people on top. It, it has been for a long time. And I mean, forever. Yeah. And, forever. And <laughs> I'm watching the Vietnam documentary right now. Like Ken I'm Burns. flying. Yeah. I'm flying all the time. So I've been watching that on the plane and, uh, man, it's so easy to sit back and go, man, we live in a crazy time. We're so polarized, so violent. But really, you look back just at Vietnam, and it was insane, man. If you think the world's falling apart now, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And a lot of it we know, but a lot of that stuff in that documentary, I didn't even know, because you're not taught about it. It's kind of like brushed over in the history books, you know? Right. Um, but it was... Also very polarized at that time also. And people were lied to then. I mean, how many thousands of people were died and billions sure. and billions of dollars spent all on lies. And there was hate and then, in, inside the country and outside the country too. It's not like we solved this stuff and it's not like, uh, you know, hopefully we're, we can be moving in a better direction overall, but... Um... Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's like Obama It's like Obama said in uh, Bourdain... Um, episode he did with him and I think it was Vietnam wasn't it when he was like Bourdain asked him which you know now 
looking back on it is a little weird after he, you know, committed suicide. But he, Bourdain asked Obama if things were going to get better, you know, if he could be confident that when his daughter was grown up, she would be living in a world that was worth living in. Right. And Obama, Obama said that he was like, yeah, you know, progress doesn't move in a straight line. There are ups and there are downs and, you know, there are going to be good times and bad times, but overall we're constantly progressing. And I hope that's true. I hope that's true. I mean, we're, we're going to progress one way or another, either we get better or, you know, maybe it doesn't matter what we do. And in 20, 30 years, we're going to be a half machine anyway. So (laughs) hopefully 49%. The singularity, according to Ray Kurzweil, the singularity is going to happen in the 2040s. So maybe it doesn't, maybe none of this matters. Yeah, that's the big question. Is it going to be a uh, evolutionary step from within us in connection with the pineal gland or something? Or is it going to be an evolutionary step from without us with the union with machine? And maybe there's a way to do both or something, but the one from within us seems healthier and more sustainable to me for some reason. Oh yeah, the one from within us seems definitely seems healthier, but I don't think that we have the time for the one for the evolution from within to happen before the one from right. without happens. Yeah, to, I mean it's, it's hard to tell on, with all the with all the you know of everything being spoken up and revved up and amplified and extremed up. You know, it's hard to even tell which of the things that we're headed for is the most urgent or dangerous. I mean, that's part of the whole point maybe. And I don't want to be too negative in that sense. Like someone's trying to confuse us, but I think that's part of it. You know, it's like, um, yeah, we, it seems like we don't have time and yet a lot of things are getting better. And yet there's, I think a lot of people forget that there's a ton of people out there that are still killing people and still trying to kill people that's part of this whole, I think when we lose fact, lose sight of the fact that there's still violence going on, that's when the discussion we were talking about earlier gets so crazy with words. When people are like, you're hurting me with your words. I might be hurting your feelings, but like, you know, we should, we need to be able to talk to always avoid this violence. So, I mean, it's a weird statement because we're seeing a ton of violence. There's a lot of the whole like shootings on the news, but there's also this idea in America of, you know, isolation or separation from violence, whether it's animals don't walk into your backyard and eat you here, or whether it's like our, you know, we have a lot of police compared to other places or we have a reasonable amount of police. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we uh, statistically, I read this the other day that statistically we live in the least violent period in all of human history. Right. And even like shooting gun, like, I think murders are going down. It's the mass thing is getting crazy, but like individual spouts spats between people, I think is in a better direction. It's so hard to get real stats on that stuff. And I get it. Like that's probably, I don't know. The last thing you see is always easy to believe, but I don't know. It's not like Roman times where dudes are carrying swords around. I cannot imagine. (laughs) Like, can you imagine seeing somebody hit with an arrow and being like Tuesday, People get hit with arrows on Tuesdays, you know? Like, <laughs> you just offended me. Let me jam this rusty sword through your belly. Yeah, this is going to be a slow death. And I'm going to come out the other side with the blade. It's two holes <laughs> with one thrust. Yeah, that Or hole. like the simple, the simple fact that, you know, the Romans, you know, the Greeks and the Romans, you know, a civilization, you know, modern Western civilization, you know, comes from there. 
and they were like so violent. The things they did to the places that they took over were insane. Yeah, it's horrific, man. I mean, even the whole Colum- Christopher Columbus thing, right? That's a good example. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are obviously bad things still happening, but I feel like, I've, I mean, it's definitely better. It's definitely better. But with, with every you know step you move forward, you see an even better future on the horizon, so you're just constantly striving to do better, which is good, but I think that sometimes we can get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, um, and then mix that with being a little bit overwhelmed when you do catch footage of some of the countries that have it so rough. Or even part some of the parts of America that have it so rough, um, or Flint, oh, Michigan, yeah, they're like still have trouble getting drinking water. That is just so frustrating when you change the channel or turn around and there's another conversation about something else that is so less important than that. Yeah, yeah like um, I'll give you an example. Maybe spending millions of dollars on a parade, right, right, uh, right, for a president when there are people who still can't drink water. Or yeah. Puerto Rico, who's just been completely abandoned, and people still don't have power in homes. And really, the debate of, and this is a controversial one, uh, Forbes just did a, a article about it, which is like a somewhat of a mainstream person like that helps people give it some credence. But there's the Rumsfeld getting asked back in 2001 about the trillions missing, and more and more people talking about, it's hard to believe because it's a T, trillions, but that... If you look into that, Cynthia McKinney is one of the ladies that was in politics that was talking about it. Supposedly, there's maybe between six and twenty-five trillion dollars missing through the Pentagon or the Department of Defense, and that is insanity. If that's real, that's like all these debates about all of our other money are done. That's it. That's it's one debate. It's that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like. We need money in other places. It's crazy. And I don't know if that's totally real. Obviously, I'm not in the room checking the documents, but I'm hearing tons more talk about that. So when you look around the world, whether it's Mao killing his people or what, I mean, it's it's the history of the world. There's a lot of, not like I'm a specialist on him. I'm probably, you know, if I go into it, I immediately start mispronouncing things. But this stuff is still pretty recent and, you know, even if even in America, when you're talking about JFK was murdered, that's a president gets murdered. That's not long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm just bouncing around with all the crazy stuff that's going on, but <laughs> hopefully we're still moving in a good direction. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to be it's easy to become disheartened by it all. Um, yeah. But I think that's why. I don't know. Lately, you know, like I said, I had to do. I was getting so upset about so many things politically and you know just things that I was witnessing on social media and then you know mix that with the fact that I think that as positive as they can be for staying connected and learning about issues it just creates this thing where you're never happy because you see either something you're really upset about on one end or you see something that you like wish that you had or a life you wish you had and you're never quite satisfied so I had to like take a break and man, I'll tell you what, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, because maybe I'm just kind of like an ostrich putting my head in the sand, but I feel a lot better just right. kind of tuning tuning it all out and just being like, you know what, I'm just going to try to live my life as a good person, you know, do good in the world, be good to other people, be kind, try to help anybody that needs my help without like getting so 
caught up in things that I can't control. Yeah. And, you know, everybody says, like, you can control. And we all have our voice. I vote. I voted for sure. And I'll vote the next election. And, you know, I'll vote in the midterms. And I'll vote for the presidential election. I vote. I have a voice. I, you know, for the during the last election, during the primaries and stuff, I, you know, made phone calls and donated money and all of that. But I can't. There are things that are just out of my hands. And you get so down if you're just, like let all the negativity in all the time, which is unfair of me to say because there are people who can't block it out, you know, who are in those situations. So is it selfish of me? I don't really know. I struggle with that all the time. But right. personally, I try, I try to just, I don't know, be at peace as much as I can, try to better myself and the people around me and hope that, you know, that's something. Yeah, it's that it's at least there's a time and a place for that or that's the better way to go about it. I used to be frustrated with that idea of not paying attention, you know, but it's so easy to pay attention to things that are outside of your grasp. And that's just such a quick slope to depression and and insanity. So it's good to be aware of it if you can stay relatively Zen and Buddha and separated in a caring sense from it. But sometimes you just got to try to communicate with literally your neighbors and go to your job and get stuff done. And then, you know, try not to eat too crappy a food on your way home. You know? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I don't want it to sound like I sit around and I'm like, oh, I don't care about it. Any of it. No, but no, I know you can. I mean, that's the whole point is you're, you're talking I think I about, care too much. <laughs> to, yeah. It's in response to too much emotion over it. I yeah, get it. I care I, too I mean, much. When you see somebody that's really hurting or really crushing it, and it's their pictures are right next to each other. You're just like, hey, if you score, you should be able to crush it. But this this guy is is I can see his ribs. He needs a sandwich. You know what I mean? It just it just messes with your brain because we're not used to being in a pack of billions. We're used to being in a pack of I don't know how many people humans ran around with two hundred or I don't whatever that was. You yeah, know? exactly. And you, you do everything in life. I've come to realize is complicated because. I struggle all the time with with things that seem like they don't necessarily work with one another. Um, for example, like we're talking about now, people are dying, there are people who are starving to death, all of this, and sometimes I get unhappy because I'm not meeting my needs creatively. So right. is that a good thing or a bad thing that I feel that way? On one hand, I think this is good. This is inner drive that I need to, like, there are creative goals that I need to achieve and I need to strive to do these things. But then sometimes it makes me feel selfish and go, you know what, I care about this screenplay I'm working on or something, and there are people who just want to eat or to feed their children or to not be tortured for no reason by, you know, whatever dictator is running their country. It, it's So it's kind of like how do you... I, I struggle all of the time with trying to, you know you know, rectify the two opposing ideas right. of the the things that are the inner desires of myself versus the situation that we're in in the world. But and but sometimes it feels like, you know, what, what are you doing? You're trying to shovel out the ocean with a teaspoon. Right. But that's the, you know, that's the discussion of being the center of the universe or being one of a 
of billions, which is both are true. I guess a lot of it for me comes back to what's the goal of it maybe when I'm hearing you say that. And if your goal is to crush and control the world or, you know, get just endless amounts of fan following or something, um, that doesn't make sense. But if your process of being creative is something that can help you figure out your big questions and help ground you and move you forward, which then influences your immediate community, that could also be something that leads towards a success, whether it's business or finance, but maybe there's a way to do it where you're not being too crazy and not going overboard with it. You know what I mean? And not cutting out too many parts of your other life, which the reality is you have to do, you have to cut out some parts of life to do, to be creative because you yeah. have so many hours, but is there a way to do it in a healthy way where you're like, you know, that's your meditation or that is your, um, keeping your brain sharp or whatever it is. Yeah. I, uh, there's no immediate answer on that, but that's the, yeah. I struggle. I tend to be a black and white sort of person. I feel like I see things as right or wrong. Um, and because of that, I also tend to dive into things that I'm passionate about pretty heavily right away. But that it just leads to all sorts of contradictions because the truth is the world, the universe, while there are defined laws and, you know, everything does seem black and white in some ways, it's like consciousness is this big gray area that, you know, it's kind of sometimes hard to dis- determine the answer. Like, for example, the contradiction I just gave about, you know, the situation then. Or another one I have all the time is, you know, I love the idea of being pure and eating well and exercising and meditating and being physically healthy and like separate from the world, almost to the extent of like, I just want to go live in the mountains with my family and just breathe pure oxygen, use no technology, not do any of that stuff. But then on this, like on the flip side of the coin, I'm also someone who romanticizes so strongly the idea of someone like Hemingway, who's like a writing hero of mine, or someone like that who's just sitting in that smoky bar, having like their third too many glass of whiskey, and just pontificating on like whatever it is they're thinking about that day. Like traffic and horns awesome. outside, offending people <laughs> easily. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like that also is something that I adore. And I tell you what, sometimes I love to just sit down, put on a record and open a bottle of bourbon and just drink. It's one of my like favorite alone time things to do. I've been trying not to do it as much lately, but (laughs) I just like to sit down, drink, listen to music. I write, I'm super creative and I'm more of, it like kind of calms me down. I'm aware of situations, but those two ideas are so contradictory to one right. another. And I struggle because sometimes I'm like, man, I want this and then I want that. And it leads to this crazy like turmoil inside of me. And I'm trying to teach myself that maybe life is not so black and white, that maybe it's gray, that maybe there are times for me to have clarity and meditate and be healthy. And then there, maybe there are times that calls for letting loose a little bit and just right. letting stuff flow and come naturally. So I don't know, but that is something... I don't know how we got, I got on that tangent, but that's the contradictions that's, of life are one of the toughest things for me. And that speaks to the whole trying to be in the now, you know, 
there will be times where you're in the city and blaring horns and uh, and that sort of thing and there's going to be times where you're going to find yourself in the woods so i i can do that too where you're thinking about whatever is the other place half the time always you know or half of your brain always so mm-hmm. uh, sometimes we fall into being in the moment sometimes not but I definitely love some nature, but I think there's certain, I'm such a, I can fall into being a hermit so easily that there's something nice about being more close, closer to a city of some sorts, um, because I can just stick my head outside and I see people buzzing around. Um, yeah, there's an energy, there's an energy to both, but the, the, the energy that a city has surrounded by human beings is definitely more tangible. Yeah. Which this isn't, this is kind of obvious, but nature is like just pure raw life. And then the city is like, okay, what are we going to do with this life? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that part of that is maybe, you know, hum raised and all that. Like what, what you're going to do with it has to be in the city, which is not a reality. What you can do with it is just plant some crops and build a community too. So, but that community might grow into a city. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thought, this is kind of change of pace though, but one other thing I want to hear about or check in with you on is the work stuff and what has been going on with that because that's something interesting on just whether it's putting a camera up to the shoulder or whether it's learning about how to pace travel or seeing how production stuff is either falling through or landing successfully or any of that stuff. Um, is there anything that comes to mind or a good place to kind of dive in there with either what you're working on now or some of the stuff you've been messing with that you feel like, like put you in a much better place, whether it was, I guess probably it's easier to talk about stuff that was in a positive way, but um, yeah. I well, don't know why um, producing, I mean, obviously shooting, but the idea of producing nowadays, how getting projects off the ground and all that stuff is another thing that kind of comes to mind, but I don't know what's been yeah, on your I mean, brain that's... with that recently. That's definitely been something that's been heavy on my mind lately. I, you know, I've been lucky to be very busy um, over the past, like, especially this year, but last year as well, I was pretty busy, which is great, you know, because when you freelance, you never really know where the next job's coming from. So you kind of have to, you know, take what you can get and there are super dry times and then, you know, it's monsoon season and you're turning stuff down, which is good and bad, but... I've been lucky. I've been really busy, but you know, we were just talking about contradictions and it's kind of, you know, work is the same way. Like I don't have my dream job by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I, I get to DP, which is, you know, a good bit, which has moved up, moved me up the ranks. Some, I make a little bit more money, but then I come back down and I shoot on other stuff. Right. But the projects that you work on are kind of hit or miss, you know? Right. And there are times when I feel like, Hey, I'm making money and I'm providing for my family and this is great, but I'm also kind of contributing to the detriment of society as a whole because a lot of, I mean, I'll admit a lot of what I make is kind of like, if you want to put in and like, you know, a lot of what I make is like a bag of Dorito chips. Like, you know, they're not really food, um, but they taste kind of good. It's easy to eat. And once you've had one, you kind of just want to like eat the whole bag and then you feel like shit afterwards. Right. Um, a lot of what I work on is kind of falls into that vein. You know, it's like, it's not that good. It doesn't really have any positive benefits or society. You kind of want to sit there and just lounge and watch it. But it's not, 
it's not real art. It's not real food, you know? So, so while working is good, making money is good. Being on the road for me is good. I mean, it's hard with a family now, but I've always kind of enjoyed traveling and seeing new places, meeting new people. And then also the community that you work with inside of an, and you know, the entertainment industry is usually pretty like-minded people who are creative and like to travel and meet new people and think differently, think outside the box. So that's all good, but there's definitely oftentimes a lack of fulfillment sure. from, you know, not really getting to put your stamp creatively on things. Yeah, you might get to decide the camera angle or, you know, the lighting and whatnot. You might get to make it pretty, but you're kind of like, <clears throat> you're trying to get it to a certain level more than you are generally just creating something out of the thin air, you know, which is why I hope to one day be writing and producing. Um, and I do write now, you know, we've talked a bunch about the stuff that we've both written and, um, it's something that I try to do a lot and, but I would learn, I would love to learn how to, or to get to a place where I can mix my desires with work as well. Cause right. I, you know, so much traveling, so much camera on your shoulder, you get worn down and I can't do this forever. But right. even just the physical part of it, you're saying. Yeah, the physical part's tough, you know. You're sure. cramped up on a plane for hours, and then you got a camera on your shoulder, you know, 12, not really 12 hours, but like eight hours a day, you know, you're working for 12 hours a day plus, um, wears you down. And then you come home, and it's kind of hard to be at home. It's kind of hard to relax, hard to be dad, husband, sure. because you're just burnt out. And that's so um, many, so much work, so many people getting off the job and having to, like, shut down the brain, shut down the creative side and get into humanity side, you know? Mm-hmm. But so it's good. And so and to answer your question, it's good, but it's also, you know, I, I want, I want more. I am, sure. uh, there's more out there that I feel like I can contribute. And so I'm just going to kind of keep plugging away and keep meeting people and shaking hands and having, um, long conversations about, you know, ideas and stories and what I want out of life and hopefully you know karma works out and a path opens up for me right right and keep showing up uh, and yeah, then keep do- what's that I said just keep being creative you know like talk about I feel like every day on set you talk about ideas for shows that you have or you know I've got a notebook full of ideas for either stories I'm currently working on or ones for in the future and you know, have creative conversations, conversations like this, and just kind of plug away and hope that something gets better. Uh, and, and you know, I'm trying to, to learn to be, uh, I just read this book called uh, Essentialism, which is kind of all about choosing your, pr- yeah, ab- about, you know, choosing what's important in life and really focusing on that. And, and the whole idea is to do less, but do it better. So I'm kind of taking that into heart and, uh, I, I dig you know, that for sure. Yeah. You know, I'm very guilty. I used to growing up, I used to always get so frustrated with my dad. And when I was older, especially cause there'd be, it was like feast or famine in our family, you know, financially and whatnot. And I, cause he was always working on a new idea. One minute he was writing a screenplay. The next minute he's working on an album with someone and he's managing an artist. Like, he was just all over the place doing a TV show. Um, 
and I used to get so frustrated, but I realized recently that I am just like that. I have my my mind's always firing in, in different directions like, "Ooh, this would be a great TV show. Better write start working on that." Or I love to paint, so you know, instead of writing, I'm like, "I feel like painting today." And I'm just doing all these different things, and I realize that I need to just kind of hone in, home in on like one, you know, I need to pick my priority and work on the priority instead of having multiple priorities. So right. And there's a time and a so, place, and maybe it's number five, and, and in a few months there's a weekend where you put down the paint, you go into painting, but in the meantime, it's a story focus or it's a business focus or whatever it is. Yeah, stay focused. That uh, it, it talks about it in the book, though, that you need to stay focused, but that play is very important as well. And so play, some of the thing, playing, yeah, it's like when we relax our mind and we're able to be more yeah. creative and let the juices flow. And to me, I feel like painting is kind of one of those things, like, Painting to me is playing. I have fun, I relax, turn on some music and paint, and I don't really consider that a, a work priority like I do writing, for example. Yeah, that could be something that falls into your meditation, like you're saying. You know what I mean? It doesn't always have to be the same thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things in that book is one of the chapters is about protecting the asset, which means that you are your greatest asset. So you have to get sleep because you can't function properly without enough sleep, no matter what anybody says and to take time to play and just have fun and get the endorphins going and, yeah. you know, and let loose because that sparks creation and, um, to exercise and to be healthy and all of these things. And I've kind of, I've been trying to really take it to heart. I've been exercising a lot. Like I said, I've just recently gotten into jujitsu and I've started doing this, breathing meditation called the Wim Hof method, which is oh, really yeah. cool. Oh yeah, Wim Hof is awesome. Dude, I love that guy. He got and me into I cold just, showers for a while. I haven't been doing them as much recently, but <laughs> I need to start. I just took my first cold shower. I mean, not my first of my life, but my first like Wim Hof method cold shower today. And man, <laughs> it's crazy. I, Don't do I, it in standing water. Dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is it? Supposedly, some of the breathing, you just want to make sure you're, everything's draining because you can get lightheaded or whatever, and there's a, a one in a whatever chance that you could maybe pass out in standing water. That's not good. You know what I mean? Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that guy, man. And I feel like... So I've been trying to do all these things that make me feel better physically so that I can be better mentally. Less drinking, you know, more sleep. Um, more physical exercise and yeah. focus and like jujitsu is kind of like meditation for me. I think that's why I like it. Like you really got to focus and it's not bro-y or like, I'm going to go deadlift 120 pounds. What, I mean, I don't even know. Maybe 120 pounds isn't a lot to deadlift. It's probably not. <laughs> I'm not a gym guy. Um, but it's like something to go do that's exercise, focus, discipline, but it's not like bro-y. Like I'm going to go yeah. clean lift some, some some iron bro um right, right. and then the wim hof meditation um i've been dabbling a little bit in some cbd and i don't know if i should say this like you know publicly or not but i've been doing some microdosing of lsd recently which is oh, uh, interesting i've been hearing more stuff about which, microdosing which is i haven't looked too much into it or, or but i've been hearing it come up more recently yeah i you know, my whole life I've kind of 
like I said earlier, I'm a bit neurotic and I've kind of dealt with some depression issues and some, uh, a lot of anxiety. I think some of my depression comes from my anxiety, but, um, I've tried a few different meds and like my whole life it hasn't, in high school it bothered me, but everybody's a little more dramatic in high school. So, you know, my depression, I like fed it because it felt good in a weird, like high school way. Sure. Um, Nobody understands me when I'm a teenager. Exactly. Like, oh, this music, he's the only person who gets me. I'm just going to sit here and, you know, be depressed. And I'm not trying to trivialize depression because it's a serious thing. Or or teenage depression. I mean, that's heavy stuff. Or teen. It's very heavy. I'm just saying that it's, at that time in my life, it was much, it was much easier to kind of fall into that and like not, you you don't don't have, you don't you don't know how not to. It's so heavy and overwhelming that it's like, how could I fight this? You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. You just don't have the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, wisdom from years to know how to kind of get out of that. But for most of my adult life, I haven't really had any real issues with it. Um, but, you know, finding myself in a, you know, when I met my wife and we got serious and then having a child, there are other people who are dependent upon you and around you all the time. So you can't have those bad days or, you know, whatever and like get over it. And I'm just going to be a little grouchy today because, you know, there's someone there who needs you to be dad and, right. you know, husband and stuff like that. So I tried a couple of different things, you know, um, a couple of different antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications and it just never felt right, man. I felt off or lethargic right. or cloudy and stuff like that. Well, it's and, hard to uh, know for, everybody but a lot of that stuff the whole idea of side effects and there might be quote-unquote side effects with everything but side effects are not side effects those are effects you know what i mean and some of that medication for some people i mean i think it's different for everybody but that can be that can be some not very helpful stuff yeah you know i my view on um medications for mental health issues is that some people really need them and they're very beneficial to certain people. Um, I do think they're probably overprescribed. Um, I think that there's a lot of people who need them that don't have them, and there's way too many people that have them and don't need them. And I, I mean, kind of isn't everything that. overprescribed in America? That's like the, one of the main medical problems is it's just a prescription medicine exactly. world. You know? Yeah, I mean, I say I, I believe that people ignore diet too much. People ignore exercise. People ignore sunshine. Jesus, I mean, just being outside makes take a walk in the sun right. it's crazy the difference you'll you'll feel that being said I, again i don't want to marginalize people who exercise doesn't work for and you know you could be in the sun all day and you're not going to feel any better there are people who are like that i have people who are very close to me in my life that are like that but and weight too i mean it's like we there's so many people who are overweight in america which causes so many problems but there's also some people and this is a stupid, stressful debate. It's, I'm not trying to debate it, but, you know, it's like get healthy. But a certain percentage of people, whether it's a thyroid issue or whatever, they can't lose weight. You know, it's like not everything works for everybody. I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, for me, it was one of those things that I felt like the, the some of the effects of the medications were not worth, you know, the the positive effects. So I got off of it, and I felt way better for it. But I mean, I didn't even take them for that long. It was like short, short little trial periods. Um, but I still would like occasionally, and and, you know, after, especially having a child, you you get a lot less sleep and I'm very, um, 
sleep when I was younger I didn't have to sleep ever and I was always felt all right but now that I'm older man I mean I'm not even that old but as I age I've noticed that sleep has become an extremely important thing yeah. for me and I'm huge on uh, the, sleep the less sleep I get man the anxiety and the depression man it really it rears its head and so having a new child and dealing with all of that and like the pressures that that can add kind of gave me a little bit more anxiety and depression again and I had a friend who knew that and it wasn't just that honestly a lot of it was like working jobs that I hated and right. being like man I'm going to work and I'm working so long and so hard doing things that I think are terrible for society but I like them and just like not being fulfilled basically right. um and worrying and then the big thing ugh, I hate to be so cliche but just money you know yeah. Oh, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to? I got to go do this job I hate just so I can buy diapers and. Well, when you, you know, now, when you have your first kid, that's probably one of the biggest steps. <clears throat> it's like going from college to pro football or something. I mean, it's a stupid analogy, but you know what I mean. It's like one of the biggest financial. Oh, yeah. Getting out of college, it, it, you know, if you're lucky enough to have somebody that kind of has your back through those years, that that's a big step doing. But beyond that, then the idea of having a kid that's. I mean, it makes sense that yeah. you'd be wondering about, worried about that. Yeah, the pressures are real, you know. It's like, the weird thing is, is simultaneously you, at least for me, I had never been happier in my life. I, My wife and my son are everything to me. I mean, I would give up. I would never write again. I would never listen to, you know, I would give up everything to have them in my life. That's how important they are to me. But as much as you love them and as much as you're happy and you love your family, there's still that part of you, at least in me. And maybe it's the way I grew up or whatever, but like, you know, oftentimes feeling not so secure. There's that part of me that's like, I have to have enough money. We have to be secure financially. I have to know that I can feed them. I mean, we, it's never like they weren't going to, but for me in my head, it was like pressure, pressure, got to make money, got to make money, got to make money. Which means do these jobs you don't want to do, take these shoots that you don't want to do, and turn down the ones you want because it's not as much money and, you know, what have you. And so I got in a little bit of a funk, long story short, got in a little bit of a funk, and a good friend of mine had um, get really gotten into that whole idea of microdosing and had done a lot of reading and research on it, and he convinced me to try it one day. Man, it was like... It was like a lifeline. It just pulled me right out of kind of the funk that I was in and brought me back up to, you know, normal good levels. And then that's it. It's not something I do all the time, but occasionally if I feel myself getting right. in a little bit of a funk, I uh, will do a little cycle and then get back, uh, get back up to normal, happy levels. And then I'm, I'm good, but I love it. It makes me focus better. Yeah. Helps my memory. Um, helps my mood. The biggest thing, it's like a big mood enhancer. I mean, you don't feel anything. You just feel like it's kind of, there's a book by the title. I think the book is called a very good day and it's all about it. And that's right. kind of what it's like at the end of the day. You just go, Oh man, I had a really good day today. Right. Right. There's been a lot <clears> of studies <throat> with psychedelics and depression in particular. I mean, obviously you know that, but even if you're getting into the discussion on PTSD stuff or, even really aggressive addictions. I know, like, not saying all psychedelics are the same because that's still a category, but ayahuasca and certain really aggressive addictions, from what I understand, or at least I've heard that some people can kick heroin after doing a certain amount of ayahuasca journeys. 
And that's the thing. I'm trying. It's a, that's a, your micro dosing is not, I get it. It's not, you're not, it's not a journey or anything like that, but it's a different conversation, but I don't know. I feel like with as much depression and as big a deal as it is, that that should definitely be a part of the conversation. And I think it is more and more now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, you know, uh, hallucinogenic drugs, psychoactive drugs, uh, are just like, in some ways, it's like medication. They can be used in the right way, and they can be abused too. You know, like I've had experiences in my life with hallucinogens where I, you know, like DMT, where I've felt like my life truly changed, and I kind of was able to connect. This sounds so cheesy, and I'm not like some hippie person <laughs> at all. You know, you know, I'm not some like hippie person who's like, oh, I'm all one with the universe. But you really get a glimpse that everything is just one big energy, and we're all part of it. Right. And, you know, you know, that's what your brain releases when you die. So there are times and you're or at least for me, I felt like, well, if this is what it's like when I die, I'm not really that freaked out by it. It's kind of awesome, actually. Right. Um, but I've also had some really, really traumatic, terrible experiences on hallucinogens. But it's because I abused them. I did them in the wrong situation. I did way too much. I was around the wrong people and it uh, kind of fried my brain a bit. But. I'm trying to, uh, I've got some people who are trying to uh, convince me to do an ayahuasca ceremony and I'm, uh, maybe one day I'll do it. I don't have the, I, I don't have it in me right now and my life's, I, I don't want, my life's too good right now to do that, but I could see myself wanting to take that journey one day. Right. I, right, I know some people list. who've been, I, I know some people who've been very positively affected by it. Yeah. So. The first time I heard about it was one of my neighbors in L.A., this Russian guy, said he was taking a trip to do it, and he told me all about it. He was super stoked for a few weeks, and then he came back, and if I remember correctly, he was like, eh, nothing really happened. <laughs> so I was like, are really? you kidding me? You were talking about this for like weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. But he was a cool guy. Uh, I mean, totally, like, like I don't know where he was <clears> from, whether it's Ukraine or Russia, but they would have parties, and it was like vodka and Russian music, and, you know, it's really cool learning experience being right next door but that's a whole other thing um that one thing you're talking about i mean jumping back over that the the micro dose subject too and it ties in with that though in terms of how do you balance that stuff out then on the creative side because that's a reality you wake up to i i know remember being in film school and this ties into the talking trash as a youngster thing you know what i mean when your favorite people are john favreau and Kubrick and Spielberg and Wes Anderson or whoever it is, Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry. You, I've, you've never seen a movie by anybody that's bad, really, you know? And if you mm-hmm. have, you didn't know, you didn't stop to watch the credits. So I even had certain instructors that had pretty impressive track records that, you know, I, I just didn't notice or didn't know to observe. After film school, even picking up PA jobs, watching different producers that would do reality or that would do narrative or that would do events. It's just interesting to see how each one of them either was like, yeah, I'm feeding myself. I'm mating people. I'm working in the industry. And then other people that would be like, yeah, but I want to do this. I was on the set of a music video um, for a big band or a band that to me was big. And just because of a friend of mine, I mean, I, I had no connection to it. I was just watching. Um, and noticing how attractive everybody that was in front of the camera was. It's like, you guys cast this. You have a demographic you're shooting for here. Um, but the mm-hmm. director that whole time, 
or not the whole time, but a lot of it, he was talking about screenplays and films and stuff like that and was kind of more interested in talking about that. You know what I mean? Like long form narrative. And mm-hmm. even though that is a passion of mine and I, I'm cool to talk about that, great. I'm still thinking, yeah, but you're shooting some pretty cool music videos. I mean, you're in a great spot. You know what I mean? So that yeah. balance is a is a huge big thing. And mix that in with the idea of only wanting to do clean art or only wanting to help society. The reality is, is the roads you were driven on, on your way to the hospital to be born, were already tainted with sellouts and double crosses and bad humor. And you know what I mean? So like we're tainted mm-hmm. from day one along with all the awesome, inspiring stuff out there, like, where do we go with it without being too hard on ourselves? How do we move forward with that? You think, or what do you, I mean, uh, and part of it is just getting through every day and being healthier. Like you're saying, that's your answer. Yeah. For me, it's like, I think, you know, when I first started in the business, uh, I started in kind of like a music and TV combo. And then from there, I I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I mean, my degree in college had nothing to do with um, with television. I, I I always wanted to write music and like you know narratives, uh, and so I knew that was something I was interested in. But I wasn't even I I wasn't like planning on doing television. And a friend of mine, actually, you know, Otis, our mutual friend who I met through you, huh. hit me hit me up and was like, "Hey, you want to work as a PA on this show?" that's coming through town. And I was yeah. like, yeah, sure. Why not? And I did. And I met some people in the camera department that I was like, these cats are pretty cool. And basically went up to them and was like, Hey, show me how to use this fancy camera equipment. And they were like, yeah, sure. No problem. And they were super nice. Took me in. And they're still to this day, some of my best friends in the world. And awesome. they just kind of brought me into fold, taught me like, you know, I, I used to love shooting videos and, you know, writing stories and telling stories visually, but I had never used any gear like this before, you know, um, brought me in, showed me everything, kind of encouraged me to come along. I ended up paying for myself to travel with the show. They gave me hotels, but I paid my own airfare because they weren't, they they were supposed to hire locals. And I was like, dude, just, I talked to a couple of guys in the production site. I was like, if I get my own airfare, can I come with you guys? Will you put me up? Like I want to work on this show. And they were like, yeah, cool. And so over the course of that show, my friends taught me, you know, how to use cameras, how to, you know, every, all the gear, all the equipment, the best they could in that amount of time. And then they helped me get a job instead of a PA, it was an AC job. And then I did that for a little while. You know, the people I was working with, like, can you teach me how to shoot? What can I do to be a better shooter? Yada, yada, yada. Did that. Eventually I got the, you know, so I've kind of like, I was very aggressive in wanting to move up and move forward and progress further and further ask questions ask questions learn i was so into it and then (laughs) it's kind of like when you realize your goal sometimes you know you lose a little bit of the you know the drive that you had to get there and i kind of got there i was like "Eh, is this really you know what i want is this like rewarding in any way but the truth is that's just me being spoiled in a way i i <laughs> i am so lucky to do what i do i i get paid relatively well it's not yeah. the best ever but i get paid relatively well i get to travel meet people i mean dude i've been on dodgers on the field at dodger stadium i've you know stood at the dugout with joe torrey and the dodgers there i've been in 
the locker room of my and this favorite is through NHL work. team. This isn't just because you jumped the fence at a game right before you got tackled no. by Joe by Joe Torre's <laughs> security guys, right? I mean, both. No, yeah, uh, right. it's it's uh, yeah, through work, man. Like work has provided me the opportunities to do some things that are pretty cool. You know, I've been on the field at Dodger Stadium, like I said. I've been in the locker room at, and on the ice during an NHL game at my favorite NHL team. I've um, been to a bunch of minor league games. I've been on the sidelines at soccer games and NFL games. I've done a lot of cool stuff. I've, you know, you know, I've been standing in Roman ruins on the Mediterranean Sea and the Amalfi Coast and all thanks to my job. So (laughs) to complain seems a bit, um, unappreciative. Sure. Yeah, no, I got you. But there just comes a time when you, uh, I, I think for me, it's like realizing like where, what is my, what was my goal and all this and what is the, what, what did I enjoy out of it? And what do I, what am I not getting out of it anymore? And it's that for me, I kind of gotten to a point, I've gotten to a point and there's so many different avenues in entertainment. And then you get it down to television and there's so many different avenues in television. And then you get it down to different genres in television. And there's so many different avenues. But once you kind of take an avenue, some kind of cross back over, but some of them kind of go out into their own direction and you're kind of out in that direction. And that's getting into reality TV kind of did that for me. I've kind of been in the reality TV world, which is not where I wanted to be. I don't really like reality TV. I don't watch it. Um, not particularly interested in it. I still get to do great things, cool things, meet a lot of cool people, but it's not really, it's, I mean, it is storytelling, but it's, it, I don't know. It's hard to explain, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do love it. I'm appreciative for it, but it's not, I'm not getting to tell the sort of story that I want to tell. Now, occasionally I do. Like that Comedy Central show that I worked on, Nathan, for you, um, I've done a few seasons of that. And it's an amazing thing to be a part of. It's yeah. funny. It's, you know, even though Nathan and his writing staff are the masterminds behind it all and are truly geniuses, they're collaborative. And if you have an idea or you think something's funny, they'll use it, you know, and it's really funny stories and really well done. And so not only did it feel rewarding to do it, and I'm really good lifelong friends with a lot of people from the crew, but also this is the first time in my career that, you know, Time Magazine wrote about the show. And, um, you know, Errol Morris, the really famous documentarian, said that the finale episode um, of the last season was like his one of his favorite love stories of all time. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, like... A bunch of different magazines and, you know, a lot of people, I think he wrote that article, um, Errol Morse wrote that article in The New Yorker, I think is where it was. So it's cool to be a part of something like that, you know, where you feel the greatest feeling I've had in television, other than all the cool stuff I've done, is sitting in a theater with thousands of people in the theater and a line around the block waiting to see the first episode of something you've done and just standing and applauding and going nuts when it comes on and then going nuts when it ends and being like, cool, we made this, you know, like I was part of this. So even though that's not the most popular number wise thing, like the people who really love it, love it. I love it. So many awesome things are not the biggest pop. I mean, in a world where Arrested Development gets canceled, you know, who cares? (laughs) True. True. Well, not totally Um, who cares after we're talking about money and all, you know what I mean? I don't want to say totally who cares, but it's worth it. You know, it's huge. It, it, it's, it is huge, man. To be a part of that at a time when I was really kind of 
thinking like, man, I got to go back to school. I got to get out of TV. Like I'm burnt out. I'm worn down. The money's not worth it. I've got to get out of here. And then that show has kind of always been my like going back to the well, getting rehydrated, you know, getting creatively fulfilled, feeling like I'm part of something special. Um, so, so that has kind of kept my spirits up. I think that show's done now. Um, the last season, Nathan, the guy who created it said the last season was too hard to top. So I don't think he's going to come back, but there are moments, there are moments like that. And if you, you know, and dude, some people, I've got friends who are doing it and they love what they do. Like the same position as me and they adore it. It doesn't matter what we're shooting. They just enjoy the process of it. Oh yeah. Being and, on set or being with a team or having a challenge, whatever, you know, there's beauty yeah. in that in and of itself. There is, there is. Um, I just don't know if it's for me or not anymore. I mean, it is for me until I, <laughs> until I figure out what. <laughs> it is for me tomorrow when I fly back out yeah. or, when, or next it, week or whatever. Yeah. It is for me next week and for the foreseeable future, but yeah. uh, I don't know. I just, I want to do more. I want to be more and more of a storyteller than I am now. And yeah. I don't even know what that means. Maybe that means writing on the side and one person reading it and going, man, I like this. Yeah. And that's enough, you know? But well, if that, if that one person isn't me, then I'll, I'll be number two. You got two people. <laughs> If that yeah. was already me, then you just got one. But yeah, I don't want to assume anything. <laughs> I've had a, I've had a handful of people who've really liked some of the stuff I've done. But yeah, um, but you know, well, I also realized that I'm, yeah. I, I I thought I thought that the path that I was on in TV was going to help me get to where I wanted to be, and I've realized that it's not really like there's an end. There, there's a cap to where I can go on the path that I'm on, and I think right. that's kind of where I realized like, okay, I don't really know if I want to do this anymore because the cap, the limit of where I can go in this direction, is not where I really want to end up. Right. So instead of just kind of going with the flow and being like, Oh, I'll get there one day. I've realized like, I actually need to get serious about it. You know, I need to push really focus onto push. another track I need to push. or double up on tracks that you're on. Exactly. I need to explore avenues that I, right. I need to find those paths in the woods that are a little overgrown and I might have to like, you know, climb through the brush for the first few feet, you know? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get that machete and work hard, work up a sweat, and like yeah. kind of forge a path rather than just sitting back and hoping one presents itself. Right, right. There's a certain percentage of life that you can just go out and do some playing and back into things. And then there's the, also something you said for trying to. All right. In the meantime, I'm gonna have a plan and work towards stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Being pushed. It's always a mixture. You're thankful to be where you are and you're always you want to be thinking about, you know, how can you be thankful and also be moving in a good direction? And that's the debate I think you're getting at with being like, hey, I'm super thankful to even get gigs, to learn about camera, to be exposed to this stuff, to get to travel and to be a part of certain projects that are good and are really powerful and are standing out and touching people and engaging people. And I want to push forward and I want to be careful not to be too lethargic in my path that I don't get in a place that's unhealthy. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I understand that idea of saying like, well, you know, I want to be here and I'm here. That that's a, I feel like so many people I talk to, especially as you get into your thirties and on, it, uh, there's something about that balance, which is a part of life and trying to be real and honest, but you do sound, everybody sounds to themselves sometimes a little, you just sound a little weird. Those topics can sound weird. So I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I feel like whatever you do, whatever your career may be, I feel like you kind of have to 
you either have to accept your place and be like, I'm cool with this. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do this um, and be happy with it and be thankful that I have this opportunity and stuff. Or if you have, or you have to find some fulfillment in it. If you, you know, and maybe the fulfillment is just, I've got a regular gig and I can come home at nights and like, I got a paycheck and that's your fulfillment. Um, but maybe your fulfillment's like, I need creativity. I need to do something else. And I was getting, I noticed myself getting frustrated and negative at times on certain shows and certain projects that I was doing because I felt like I wasn't getting any fulfillment. So I like, I wasn't going to that Zen place of just being like, man, I'm here. I'm thankful. I got this. Right. But I also, but I also wasn't working towards anything that had some sort of like, like I said, it's like once I kind of hit a plateau in my specific field of my specific area of entertainment, that's I kind of when I started getting frustrated because I was like, there was nothing to work towards as much anymore. Right. I right. kind of achieved some of, you know, what I'd wanted. And I think my problem why I became kind of frustrated and somewhat negative was the fact that I couldn't just sit down and be like, well, I'm here. I'm thankful it's a paycheck. And I also wasn't really striving towards any new goal or any new, you know, I wasn't striving to find some outlet for my creative like passions and whatnot. And so I think the key has been like, okay. And what I think has allowed me to be a little more positive is like, okay, this is cool. I'm lucky to have this. I'm thankful for the money, but there's more that I want and I'm going to work towards that. And right you know, this is going to help me get there. This money, you know, I'm going to use this money. I'm going to pay for things, but in my, it's going to give me the chance to maybe take some time off to work towards this or to work towards that or to meet people, you know, maybe people you work with or people you can talk to about projects that you want to do. But it's about wanting something more, I think is at least for me, because if I, if I, if I don't want anything more then I start to get a little, um, I don't know, a little negative, a little yeah. down because I'm, you know, antsy, I'm not doing what like, I want to do. What are we here for? What are we doing here? What are we, exactly. that's, that's that debate, you know, you want to enjoy life and you also want to work to make it a better place or, or whatever that is, you know, so, mm-hmm. and I've heard people from years ago with quotes like that, you know, that's the biggest question every day is do I enjoy life or do I try to fix things, you know? whatever we think we got to fix, you know, or whatever we got to do to work. I shouldn't fixing isn't necessarily, that's just kind of dumbing it down, you know, working towards certain things or building something that can make things better. That's a more positive way mm-hmm. than saying fix. But I know what you're yeah. saying, man. I, 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 I'm the same way as you got to have goals. And the, just cause you have those goals doesn't mean that's the only thing you care about. And it, that's not the only thing that matters and all that stuff. You need to be thankful with where you're at today. But I agree with trying to be working towards um, bigger things, even if they're those quote unquote bigger things can also be simple or small. But it's something that feeds mm-hmm. your soul or gives you soul points. Is a, a Mark Duplass, I think, said that says yeah. that uses that phrase soul points. But all my long windedness, you just summed up right there. It's just, I think my advice to anybody in this business would be like enjoy the moments that you have and have a goal, you know, like yeah. be working towards something because otherwise you can get burnt out pretty easy. I mean, even the most enthusiastic people, you know, you're on enough plane rides in one week and you know, you've stayed in enough hotels over the course of the last few months and done enough FaceTime messages with your wife and son because you can't see him in person. 
you know, you've taken enough Tylenol because your shoulder's hurting so bad from holding a camera on it. Like, it can burn you out, but right. you got to have something you're you're striving for. Yeah, and then and then the thankfulness is kind of in line with realizing the animal human thing, or the like, thankful to have someone to call to FaceTime, or you know what I mean. The whole like, mm-hmm. I've got food today, and if I didn't, none of this stuff would matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, but it's like that old proverb: a, a, a man with a empty stomach has one problem, and a man with a full stomach has a million. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's funny when you go into emergency mode, your brain. You know, it's easier to prioritize, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, right on. I feel like I feel like I've gotten a little negative in this conversation at points. <laughs> no, it's I appreciate like, the sharing. I mean, that's a big part. I, I think there's a, a certain part of the creative industry that there's a reality to that, and it's hard to talk about. Or uh, I, I'm, there's some something I think is good to go into about that because there are there there's a fight just for work and then there's a then there's a dream and a fight for good work in the same way that i don't know how many sports analogies we're doing here but we'll go back into baseball you you know no not many people are i don't know youngsters are just looking at the majors you know but most of those dudes are Mm -hmm. trucking through single double triple a and some of those guys might be down there for a decade before they even get a shot it's easy just to notice Manny Machado and Bryce Harper and Stanton and these dudes, you know what I mean? Or just love Jeter, mm-hmm. you know, because he's getting game winning hits up until his last freaking game. You know, the reality is like, there is a serious beauty about even just competing. And there's a serious beauty about, you know, that dude right on the cusp of triple a and in, in the majors, it's bumping up and down or the guy that gets one series or, if you rest too much and then it sounds negative too, like you're not fighting or you're not, not trying to mm-hmm. really get in the ring with the, with the big players, you know, it's good to push for it. But the reality is that there is a serious grind, man. And, and whether you're doing something totally artsy and soul, soul pointed out something that's yours and you have critic, creative control over, and it's really feeding you. I mean, we talk about this with stuff with that we've worked on, you know what I mean? That you can do some, stuff that feeds you and then you can do stuff, some stuff that gets, gets you paid and then, you know, whatever, obviously that's the balance. Yeah. I mean, like the stuff that we worked on together was some of the, some of the hardest days that I think I've had in working in the entertainment industry and like, you know, video production and whatnot. I mean, there were some long, hard days that we put in. Yeah. But but the sense of community, I think for me, it's a sense of like, we're all like the thing I love, I love creative collaboration. It's one of my, it's one of the areas I excel in. I love working with people to try to make something cool. And that's one of the things that I love. I do love about my job and working on television and stuff, but there, you get a different level of that on the different things that you do. Sure. So those days that we were grinding out, working on the stuff we did together, were some of the hardest days and you know really tough at times but there was this sense of like oh we're doing something cool here like right. you know we got no money it doesn't matter like we're going to make something cool going to make something artistic and be creative and so there's a lot that your body can handle and a lot of you know sleepless nights that you can endure and a lot of you know running around in crazy hot weather that you can endure and all that when you feel like you're man we're making something here 
Yeah, and we're in a good, but, we're in a family, and people have my back. If I do hit the wall, we'll figure it out together. So I can go hard right now, you know. Exactly, but you know, I would I would just warn anyone who's getting into like the TV business that there are those times and they are special. But and everyone says like, man, when I first got into this business, I was like, man, I could this is the best. I'll do it forever. I'm like, it's the coolest job ever. And there are times when it is, but there are also times when it is a grind. But you don't have that sense of like, man, we're doing something here. And that's right. when it gets that's when it gets difficult, you know. That's when the bones start to hurt a little more. <laughs> that's when, you know, the sunburn the sun on the back of your neck starts to get a little bit hotter when you're just sitting there and you're going, What are we doing? Like, right. what is this? You know? Um and I think that's the question that you have to like really ask yourself to be in the business that I'm in is are is it cool? Are you cool with doing with those times when you're sitting around going, "What is this?" Like, are you cool with that? Because, are you gonna see that? Oh, sorry, keep going. I'll let you finish. No, I was just gonna say because if you are man, then this is a business for you because it is so much fun, and you will meet people and travel. But if you would have, if you would be frustrated sitting around in the sun shooting something, going, "What am I doing? Like, this is such a waste of time." Then it's gonna be hard for you at times, like it yeah. has for me. And then the question that comes into my mind is if that's hard for you, then either your answer is don't mess with it or your answer is mess with it and learn how to be fairly Zen. Because if you're sitting in a gig that you totally don't like, you're going to be thinking that every day. What are we doing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. I don't know. That's just a thought. Like that's a thought, right? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of the whole business, man. It's like, it's such a crazy business because there's no, it's hard to describe and there are no rules. And like, even the aspect of doing freelance itself, like I said, like you don't know what you're going to be doing. One time you're doing a cool project. The next project's not so cool. You know, one you're making really good money. One you're making not so good money. Um, you know, one you're in the middle of nowhere, one you're in Rome, you know, it's, so it's very different. So it's kind of hard to say like, this is how it is and these are the rules and whatnot. Sure. But, um, so I, I don't know. You, sometimes you do have to go Zen and sometimes you just have to be like, I, I, I you know, I'm trying to be better at that. Sometimes you do have to go what? So, uh, um, sometimes you do have to be more Zen and you have to be willing to accept things. I'm the thing that I'm trying very hard to do right now in my work life is to be okay doing something that I think is a terrible idea. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> which which maybe I'm a little too arrogant in some ways or something, but there's so many times when I'll be doing something, I'm like, this is a waste of time. Or this could be done so much better if we just did this. Especially or, when you've just gotten off a show that is crushing it on so yeah. many levels and they're doing it yeah. so well and they're so genius with their storytelling. And then you turn around and work on a project that is not quite that. Yeah. You know, and it can be so frustrating, but I have to tell myself a lot of times like, man, this doesn't matter. Just, you know, kind of turn off the mind and don't let the mind get frustrated over these things and just turn, turn the body on, turn the mind off and then go kick back and have a couple of beers at the crew afterwards and just laugh and, you know, right. talk about traveling and stuff. And that, um, that idea is like, if, if that becomes 24 seven, that sounds dangerous, but there is a certain part of life where you got to be able to kind of, 
I don't know. I mean, this is the big question that's going to take forever to figure out, you know, or not. But, you know, sometimes you just got to get the job done, whatever it is, whether you're digging or whether you're crewing up or whether you're building or selling or whatever. Um, yeah, I know that is the question. Is it spoiled? Is it like, you know, you constantly hear about like spoiled millennials and I think we're millennials, but just barely. I, I don't know how that works, but. I think I know um, I'm not we are the very end of the millennials. Yeah. Right? Or the very or the beginning. Very sorry. beginning. Very beginning, yeah. I don't um, really know. So you hear about me neither. I don't keep We're don't not know Generation what, Z. Uh, yeah. I just learned about that yeah. one. I I don't I didn't I don't even know if I knew there was a generation generation Z. Um I think they're gonna be all right. But, but like you hear all the time like, oh spoiled millennials, blah blah blah. I know in some ways I am not spoiled. I work my ass off, man. I, I really do. Right. And, I, you know, I worked hard. I put myself through college. I got a college degree. I've worked hard in my career to get where I'm at and to make money and to provide for my family. But I guess maybe I am spoiled in a little bit in the sense that I feel like I should be able to get more out of life, you know, or I'm always wanting more. And maybe I should be a little more content, like, you know, maybe our grandparents' generation who, you know, yeah. did a job, worked it, paid the bills, and we're happy to have a job. But I think that's a big question for a lot of people in that age range because a lot of what we were presented with in terms of what you should want or what you, what is a baseline for happiness, it's just not a reality. And it's not, I don't know, there's just something there that is either it's not obtainable or you don't want to obtain it. You know, you'd rather invest whatever you have in something else. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, what are you go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I don't know. In terms of just like this, th- that's the debate of you always want to be leaning forward. And then, you know, do I have this mindset that I've got to, did I watch too many documentaries on successful people when I was young? I mean, maybe that's the, the way to say it. You know what I mean? Did I watch too many? I've said this before, but did I watch too many MTV or VH1 driven episodes, you yeah. know, um, where you feel like you've got to contribute? Or is it like, did I fall into a religious belief where for some people it's this leader for this other, you know, they're being told about Jesus from day one. And this is a dude that was really loving up until he was murdered at age 33, you know. So I'm just trying to think of different things when you're young that are making an impression on you. And then you then you outlive 33 and you're thinking, should I have gotten killed for my beliefs to save the world by now? Is this the goal? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> are you stressed out from certain ideas that you were fed when you were young? Not to say that those are good or bad or right or wrong or I don't know. Um but and is it is it generational like they say it is is it a generationally spoiled thing to be like at least for me man i'll read a book and if the book is good like painfully good when i finish it i'm unhappy and this is a weird weird thing to say but because i'll go man i want to do something like that like yeah. that's what i need to do in my life or i watch a good movie or I see a good painting. Right. Th- this is why I'm never happy doing one job and I want to do a million jobs. It's not because I'm like, oh, I'm bored. I want to do something new. It's because when I experience something that is real and true and like beautiful, whether it's sad or whether it's ugly, but it's still right. beautiful. When I experience that, man, it's painful because I want to do that. Right. I want to be capable of delivering something 
that somebody somewhere goes, damn, that's good. Right. Or like just affects them. Like I remember the first time I read A Farewell to Arms and like I closed the book and I was just, holy shit, man. I was like, that was incredible. And somebody did it. Somebody did that. Somebody sat down and made that and it affected me way after he was dead. Yeah. So how like i like i want that is that spoiled to want that am i is everybody in this generation like that or are artists like that like i'm not really right. sure where that puts me because i want to do something like that yeah. does that make me spoiled i think it makes you spoiled if you only want that and you just are just cutting down all your relationships and cutting down your future you know what i mean if if you think that all you can focus on is that I think wanting to be a part of something beautiful like that isn't necessarily bad. You know, like part of it might be you realize as you get older that you don't necessarily, you don't deserve or you're not, the universe hasn't dedicated that everybody gets to do that. That's just a part of reality. Even if a lot of people are talented, but part of it might just be taking shots or showing up. I know one thought. I mean, it's like, yeah, go ahead. When I hear, when I notice that with me, not always, but often when I feel that feeling, when I see something amazing, I, I think it means that I, on my next day or my, or one of the next three days or three windows, I need to take 30 minutes or an hour and start like putting down ideas or pages or whatever it is to, to, to take a shot at cooking up something that really gets me going. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I kind of, that came out, came out slowly, but the idea no, of when I, I feel it. that frustration or almost that loneliness or fear or sadness, because um, I know what you mean when you see something so good. For me, I'm super excited, but there's almost like a, I haven't felt it in a while, but I know that feeling. When I do feel it, it's like, okay, I think that means I need to, it's the same as jealousy. When I notice something that, I'm, that makes me jealous, either I'm like, oh, that's a dumb thought. I don't need diamond shoes what do, what do i even care yeah. or i'm like oh i'm actually jealous because of the community or i'm jealous because of the you know i'm like okay i need to call a friend today and just work on my one small step on my community you know anyway i, I don't know yeah. is I don't it know jealousy is it jealousy to what's want that? that what's that is it is it jealousy to want you know to want to create something like someone else did i guess it is huh is it what is it jealousy oh jealousy um, no, I think that might be a sister, a sister idea. You know what I mean? A sadness or an anger is maybe like a, more of like a FOMO. Maybe that's tied to jealousy. <laughs> I don't know. But I have, I have terrible FOMO, dude. I have terrible FOMO. I, I mean, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but this happens to me all the time. <laughs> and to go back, back to sports and back to baseball, which is easy for us because we both love it so much. But I, sometimes I have these thoughts. I like watch a game and it's like, uh, it's like playoffs, like crazy, you know, someone gets a single, you know, up the middle and scores the winning run or whatever. And I have these thoughts of, man, I will never play professional baseball. <laughs> that ship has sailed. And that to me is a very depressing thought. <laughs> like it should not be. I just had it the other day. I was watching a Formula One race and I was watching them drive around the track and like, you know, it was so dramatic and it was a dramatic end. And then the winner gets out of the car and he like pulls his helmet off and like waves to the crowd. And I was like, man, I will never experience that. And it made me sad. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that's just an honest part. Yeah, I think that's just an honest (laughs) part of being a human. And either, either we have one life, and you're just like, this is a weird feeling to be confined to you know sixty to one hundred years or whatever, or one to one hundred years or whatever, or we have a ton of lives, and the fact that we've forgotten that something feels off when we're depressed when really you shouldn't be depressed because maybe in some other universe or in some other life you were like the NASCAR boss or maybe you were the triple a dude that was right on the edge and had one upsetting victory that blew everybody's mind i don't know yeah or maybe uh yeah maybe it's that or what if it's like what if it's the fact that we're all but no i was gonna say what if it's the fact that we're all connected so like moments like that like you feel more strongly. Like, I, I don't know, but it doesn't make sense because if we're all con- if we're all connected, then why you would I feel like I'm se- right. Yeah, why would I feel separate from them? Yeah, because yeah. that's what it feels like. Sometimes when I watch that stuff, I feel like shut out right. by a feeling that I can't. Like I see it, and it's so beautiful, and I want to just touch it. You yeah. know, I just want to f- experience it. To me, that um, speaks to the idea of the, and maybe this is off, but it sounds like this war this experience is is weird that that's like the idea of it being like weird that the uh, illusion or the idea of separation feels there's something weird there you know what i mean like maybe in some other mm-hmm. astral space we actually are all connected um and so the idea of being in such a 3d body or with such a 3d focus it might all, it might even seem scary or something that you're not in that circle with that dude high-fiving on his team experiencing whatever i mean i don't even i who knows right yeah, I mean, I don't think it's selfish. You know. That that that's not selfish because that's just you being like, "Am I going to experience life?" I don't know. That can be selfish if you start screwing over everybody just so you can start taking NASCAR lessons. Then that sounds maybe <laughs> selfish. <laughs> Never NASCAR, man. I don't watch NASCAR. I'm a Formula One. Oh, fan. Formula One. Big, See, that shows my ignorance. I don't even know. Big, yeah, yeah, Formula One. Big, big difference there, man. Big, big difference. difference. There. Oh yeah. Okay, Formula One. I got you. They sharper looking vehicles. <laughs> it's it's a whole strategy. It's it's way more to it. Nice. I don't, we don't have the time for me to get into explain Formula One. No, but. it sounds like we don't. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm at zero in terms of knowledge level. Um, <laughs> besides, like you know, make sure the barriers work and the crowds got their eye on the track. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a beautiful sport. Not as beautiful as baseball, but it's pretty close. Yeah, right on, man. Right on. Well, I, I dig the conversation in terms of the that ongoing debate of dig what you're trying, try to be thankful and dig what you're doing and take small steps on health and Wim Hof breathing and all that stuff. But also, I think keep yourself engaged and have goals so that you're moving in a direction or feel like you're working towards something. But then you got to be mm-hmm. freaking realistic with it because you know there's a, it's easy to watch a documentary on Bob Dylan, but. Um, they they seem to gloss over a lot of the harder, more boring years of uh, no matter who you are, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too cliche to freaking talk about Bob Dylan, but you, you get it. <laughs> I'm just thinking of No Direction hey. Home. I used to watch that movie like crazy. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, man, it's a complicated thing. I feel like I don't know if there's... I was going to say it's just... It's... I don't know. I feel like being a failed creative is like a very painful experience because you want so badly to like reach someone on a, or or multiple people on a particular level. 
Um, What's a failed so creative? Like, but that, but that's what I was just about to say. Is there such a thing as a failed creative? Is right. is am I are, am I thinking incorrectly to believe that there's a failed creative? Is the reward being creative in and of itself? Right. Um, you know, it's like that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> the endless question. It, it's like, I mean, you can just expound that to life in general. Like, is life the destination or is it the journey? Right. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> like that, I guess it's, and I guess maybe that gets to the purity of the matter. Maybe I'm not pure in my creative desires. Maybe I'm too result oriented and not enough process oriented. Right. Or, you know, you not, don't get too hard on yourself. You might be pure and, and the world is pretty rough when it comes to paying bills in terms of, in terms of getting, um, business connections and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I think, um, uh, the idea of success and failure is so abstract. You can't hold on to anything for too long. That's like burning you. You know what I mean? So if something becomes too aggressive or is taking out too much of your other parts of your life. You, you got to take a look at it. But if you're inspired to deal with questions through creativity, it seems like you got to do it in some way. And then if you're under the, yeah. if you're under the fantasy that that's going to make you, that's going to save your soul or that's going to be the reason why you're allowed to be loved. Then that's just not a reality. You got to let that go. Yeah. But, True. Yeah. Maybe it all just stems from the fact that I'm from a big family and want attention. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten to the core of it yeah i know i'm like what does it mean to be the youngest or middle or oldest child or be a raised in the south or be non-religious or religious or you know what i mean it's just like who freaking knows yeah it's it's all who knows man i, I find it so interesting though like psychology like sociology psychology all of that intrigues me so sure deeply. there's a personality thing that pushes some people was it um Grant, who was such a mastermind at, at war, and then when there wasn't something really at stake, he didn't do well because it was like, who cares? What's the point? You know what I mean? There's a certain import. Yeah. There's a certain lean forward attitude that I think we need, at least for some of us, some people in society. You know, we just got to make sure that that doesn't eat those people up too much. You know what I mean? Just because we're not running from lions every day like like we used to be or bears. That's why they say that when people retire, they, their health usually declines because right. they don't have something to do. Yeah, which is a whole other debate of the absurdity of, we got to get on that. And that's another conversation, too, of how do we fix the, the uh, illusion that you're irrelevant as you get older. You know what I mean? It's like so many people are looking for advice these days, and these older people have it, and they've been pushed out of society. It's absurd. Yeah. It is absurd. So anyway, that's another I mean, combo. That is another combo because there's wisdom and ignorance to be had and I think I feel like the elderly not all of them obviously. Oh right, but, sure, sure. You know, there's definitely things that are much better um yeah. with with you know, some of their uh, ideas and holding on to the past of, is deadly either way. Yeah. But there's also like Exactly when somebody tells you this is a new fear, or this is a new phenomenon, it's nice to have an old person to be like, oh, they've been saying that for 60 years. Don't worry. I mean, keep an eye on it, but it's not new, you know? That's true. Like I just said, like, like I was saying earlier about watching the Vietnam documentary, 
there are so many times now when I'm just like, oh man, the world is falling apart. And then I watch that and I go, eh, it's been worse. Yeah. It was falling apart before I got here. So like, okay, I can yeah. stress a little less and then just try to be friendly. Yeah, I'm trying, yeah. to, trying to hear some facts, but not all of them. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, cool stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm glad it's good to talk about, hear some about the fatherhood stuff and then get into the creative side of things too. And even just like life focus, um, on the creative side of stuff in terms of the video, not to make it too much about that too, but is there like, maybe it's because I've been running into so many people in the video community in Nashville, which is kind of a younger video community, but in terms of what you dig from the programs you've worked on that you've dug, whether it's learning something from Nathan for you or other projects or sports events, or even like you're already talking about being careful with what niche you get into or being able to plan to adjust your niche. But what do you feel like doing camera work, doing cinematography, working your way up, freelancing and all that? Is there like a phrase or a one liner or something that stands out in terms of like, keep an eye on this for the industry or never disrespect craft services or, you know, <laughs> the guy delivering mail might be a producer in two years, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that last one's probably true. It's, um, I would say be kind to PAs because they could hire you one day. Yeah. No kidding. You know? Um, that's man, that, that is the one thing that, that drives me crazy more than anything is when I see anyone disrespect anyone based on their, job title rank yeah because because it's i mean come on who knows you know that especially in this be... industry it's so ignorant to do that because this isn't an industry where because you were here for 10 years you get promoted you know Mm-hmm. exactly and you know i i've heard stories I, I you know i have people that i've worked with who've talked about their acs like creating a pilot and selling that pilot and starting a production company and selling half of it for $50 million, you know, like, and that person hires so many people now. So the thing is one thing I used to say when I was younger, I don't know if it's not my motto anymore. It's not my philosophy anymore, but when I was younger, I think it works very well as be the last one at the bar at the, and the first one at work. Yeah. Because that is, is kind of like sums up what it's like in, in a business. It's, it's equally, it's half your job performance and half how much people like you. Right. So, you know, you've got to be the person that's hanging out and people remember you and they enjoy spending time with you and they want you around. Right. But, but you also got to show up and kick ass the next day at work. Right. And if you do, if you do one too much without the other, you you will i'm not saying you can't make it but you will have a more difficult time right. because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how good i mean when i i'm in a position now where i hire people from time to time yeah um like and when i'm in head when i'm the head of the camera department i get to hire my team i hire people like ideally i want to hire someone who's the best at their job and i love being around but i would if there were two people it depends on the project, but if sure. there are two people and one is slightly, um, one is slightly better at the job itself, but you don't like being around them, that person's probably not going to get hired over the person who's a little less yep. talented or proficient, but they're great to have around. 
Yeah, they, because they, when they have to be talented, but if it's an if it's one notch of talent versus personality, it's just that's going to poison the whole team. Yeah, man. I mean, when you work in television, especially if you're traveling, especially if you're traveling, you're doing 12-hour days plus lunch, then you're getting off and you're going back to a hotel and then you're going to get dinner with the same people you worked with. Then you're going to get a beer with the same people you worked with. And then you wake up six, seven hours later and you go to work with those same people again. And you do it for sometimes months, you know? So you got to be, you got to have a cool personality and you can't be a dick to people. And you've got to know when and where to complain. And you have to know when and where to suck it up and be like, yeah, let's do it. But more than anything, you just got to be a cool person. You got to be a cool person, have a sense of humor, you know, like I said, be the last at the bar and the first at work. Right. And then as you get older, you're like, now I got to get some sleep too. So we'll be <laughs> last at the bar on some days, first at work. And then some days we'll get rest on a Sunday if we can. Yeah. See, I, I've gotten to where I'm at now, so I don't have to be the last at the bar or the first at work anymore. Thank goodness. Right. Um, you know, but I, I still, you know, <laughs> I still have to be social with the crew that I work yeah. with. No, I, I mean, I, I get the point of the, st- of the one liner is like, this is work, but it's also, we're humans, we're team, we're social. You can't ignore that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Cause. Wow. Um, Did I cut you off in the last you, point? No, no. Um, you just have to, the thing about the business now too, is everybody can have a camera and so everybody thinks they can shoot and everybody wants to shoot and everybody has access to shooting and making things and so you know oftentimes people can do can come into this business and they're willing to take a little less money and they're willing to do you know work through lunch and all these things that you know hungry younger people want to do um and with that you know to be completely open i feel like a lot of the business now is willing to accept people who are a little less qualified to do their jobs or don't have the experience or whatever because they'll do it for cheaper or somebody knows them or whatever you know and so you have to be good but you also have to be someone people want around because they could just go get someone cheaper or whatever you know um but even yeah, in getting so. outsourced or underbid, the personality comes into play. Is what you're saying? It does. It does come into play. Yeah. And then, and then, then there is a certain level of talent that you just can't you can't ignore. Um, I used to think, you know, when I first started doing camera work and started shooting, it came very naturally to me. And I remember me and my friends used to talk, and we'd be like, "Man, I, anybody could really do this job. It's, you know, it, it just seems so easy." Right. But the older I get and the longer I've been doing it and the more people I've worked with, you realize not everybody really can do it. That sure. there's definitely a level of talent. You can learn a lot, but there's also intuition, you know, that mm-hmm. especially in like the reality side um, or in the documentary side. Run and gun, you, live event, not easy to recreate. You got to have you gotta it, have intuition. Exactly. You got to know what's coming next. You got to know who's speaking next. You got to be able to read body language and see if somebody's going to move. Like all that has to happen, and you've got to focus, and you've got to make sure your iris is set and your color is set, and all that. And you got to do it all on the fly. Yeah. And oftentimes, you got to be moving while you're doing it. So there is a there is definitely intensity to it. Yeah. But 
So body language is important. Being able to read people is important. That's probably, I guess, all of the things that I've just mentioned boil down to being able to read people. Right, right. It comes down to human interaction, yeah. Exactly. Which is, that's like always comes up and it's always so funny that that came up again, but it's like, that's what we are. We're humans interacting with humans. So of course it's all, so much of it's going to come back to that. Not so much to say it's all who, you know, that phrase is absurd because if, if, if you can't do it, it's not all who, you know, you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. once you have enough skill, then yeah, that's huge who, you know, and who you get along with. I get it. Yep. Human, like you said, human interaction, read people. And like enjoy being around people. Hopefully, people enjoy being around you. Um, and that's, it's. I mean, I feel like that's all of life, right? Yeah, yeah. Being oh, able, yeah, to, being able to be human to some degree. <laughs> um, but what do I know? What's that? I said, but what do I know? Yeah. Well, you know something. That's kind of the whole point of this: is checking in with a few people that. Uh, know something and just kind of talking out clues that each detective has found and comparing notes and then seeing where we are, where we all stand after that. Yeah. The well, goal is not to solve it today, but we'll take a step, I guess. Yeah, it's true. Right on. Um, well, I texted my buddy Joey right before this to say, uh, what matters? Let me see if he responded. I, I told myself, um, if he, if he responded, uh, I haven't heard back from him. Cool. Well, uh, I was going to throw that in the mix, but we'll, we'll let ourselves get off here. I think we've done about two hours and 10 minutes of chat and that's good stuff. Yeah, man. Um, I feel like we didn't even get into a lot of stuff that is the more interesting aspects of our conversations at times. Yeah. I think we could go deeper. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the beauty of all this stuff. And also if we want to pick a topic and even limit ourselves, all right, let's do 40 minutes on this. I'm down to do that. Even if we repeat, you know, or if you have a mm-hmm. project coming up where you're like, Hey, we should talk about this aspect. I'm always down to do that. Uh, because yeah, yeah, it could be, it could be fun to talk about like the stuff we're working on. Although, you know, it's always kind of feel a little weird about telling people your ideas before they're solidified. Yeah, but. totally. totally. <laughs> or you pick a past project and look at the notes from it and be like, let's walk through this specifically how this worked or how this went well or how this didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I, I uh, really like listening to people talk about their processes and stuff, but it'd also be fun just to talk about space and some weird shit, you know? Yeah, I know. Go down the rabbit hole. I'm down for that. We didn't, we touched on a few things like trillions of dollars missing or, or, uh, malicious goals on the huge social scale, but that was all pretty, pretty simple kindergarten stuff. That's not, we didn't go too deep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. We'll, maybe we'll start with ETs or something. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, man. Sounds good to me. Right on, dude. All right. Well, man, thanks for taking a second, even though you're traveling a ton. And um, give hugs to the family for me. And I hope the the time with the wife is good on traveling. Yeah, man. Um, it's good to talk to you, dude. And uh, let's try to do it again sometime soon. Yeah, totally. If not, No pressure on baby cakes. If you get down there, though, I think it's the end of the season. So... Uh, if they're, if they're, if they're playing, tell, uh, Dylan Peters and Sandy Alcantara, I said, Hey, they just, I asked for my first baseball autograph in 20 years last week from those guys. And they gave it to me on a baseball. And I was like a 15 year old. I'm like, Oh, this is fun still to be a little fan. <laughs> oh yeah, man. 
I haven't asked for an autograph in forever either, and that sounds like fun. Dude, it was awesome. I, I wasn't going to do it, but then I, I, we were we were there after the game, and you know it's pretty laid back in AAA, and so I was like, let's check this out. And I was way more excited than I thought I was going to be. I was like, oh, this is great. Man, there's too there's too few times in life that we allow ourselves to be like kids again in that aspect. I feel like just yeah. in awe of of like someone who's we look up to. Yeah. And they're younger than you and shorter, you know, not, <laughs> not all the time, but you know, it's funny when you actually meet those people, you're like, all right, we don't need to get to know each other too much. All right, let me just respect you and think of you as a major league ball player. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't, I can't wait. That's why it's nice to have a son. I can't wait to take him to the games and then get to enjoy that through him almost. Oh, like, totally. Hey, let's go get an autograph. <laughs> Yeah, let's play Mario Brothers. Let me show you uh, Tommy Boy when you're old enough. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff. Uh, exactly, man. This is the beach. But I guess actually where you guys are, that's from young. He's already been, he's already crossed the beach path. Yeah, a little bit here and there. Yeah, I gotcha. Right on, man. All right, well, much love to you, man. And good luck with the travels coming up. Yeah, man. Um, good to talk to you, and hopefully this audio recorded all right, and I'll uh, get it over to you. Yeah, well, I'll see. I'll let you know how it syncs up, and uh, in the meantime, we'll see how the Dodgers uh, lock it down in the next few weeks here. Uh, God, I hope. I know we need a we need something, man. Play Kike uh, every day. That's all I can say. We can't have the number one run differential in the National League and not even make the playoffs. That's pathetic. You can when you get when you have twelve to one games and then two to one games. You know what I mean? I know, man. It's so like, oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> and especially since this year, you know, we should be. I don't know what's going on. That's the danger in baseball. Should that's a dangerous word to start the season with. Yeah, that's true, man. Yeah. True, and you know what? We had a magical run last year, so can't all be like that. Yeah, even at this final point of the conversation, it's being thankful and leaning forward. It's like, all right, we had a good year last year. Let's try to keep showing up. And, uh, you know, Red Sox are terrifying in 2018, so let's be realistic and work hard. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and, it, and is it weird that sometimes I enjoy a little losing? I don't know, <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying I, I want us to lose. Obviously, I want to win the World Series this year, but sometimes it feels good to do a little losing, you know? Yeah. To, to, love, to love your team, to love your team and to love the players on your team. But with as much as players move around these days, to love your team, even when they're not doing well, feels yeah. good. Oh, yeah. I'm learning that this year with, uh, with some Marlins, some Marlins loving. I mean, I'm definitely there on the Dodgers and Yankees and I'm feeling the, the W's. But I've been watching the Marlins hard this year and they're uh, currently, I believe, the second worst team in the National League. So. Hopefully the Padres and Mets keep losing so they can at least get the second or third worst team in the National League at the end of the year. <laughs> One can only dream. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Awesome, man. Well, you notice, though, I'm getting the signatures of the dudes in AAA on that team because I got a feeling in 2020 the Marlins are going to be knocking a few people out, so we'll keep our eyes open. Yeah, man, that's awesome. They could be worth something one day. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll retire. I'll, I'll, I'll cut you in on it. We'll make, we'll make another movie <laughs> with the funds. Sounds great, man. Awesome. All right, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, man. Later, Joe.